Welcome back to another episode of Heaven and Healing Podcast. You can catch a live recording of the show over on YouTube where I stream every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. Go subscribe to my channel if you haven't already. It's Angela Ucci, Heaven and Healing Podcast, and be sure to ring the bell to be notified for live stream reminders and more. Whatever platform you're currently listening on, please give the show a five-star rating and written review to help get this into more people's ears. And please consider partnering with the ministry as Heaven and Healing is entirely crowdfunded. There are different options to support the show down in the episode description. Thank you so much for your continued support and prayers. Enjoy the episode and God bless. Welcome back to another episode of Heaven and Healing Podcast. I'm here today with my friend Isaiah Saldivar. A lot of you probably already know who he is. Um, this is a really funny story, actually, how we came into contact. So he reached out to me after seeing my interview on Michael Knowles back in October of 2022. And I did not see the message because at the time I was starting to get a lot of DMs and no way could I check them all. So just completely went over my head that he messaged me at all. And then months later in the new year in 2023, like around January, February, when I started having questions about deliverance and I was really breaking free of the lie of cessationism, um, some people on Instagram were sending me his videos. And so I started watching some of his content and I wanted to reach out to him with questions that I had. And when I went to message him, I saw that there was a message waiting for me, inviting me to come onto his podcast. And then I went to his profile and it was like, follow back. I was like, oh wow, he's been following me all this time. And I didn't know he was even there. This is awesome. So it was just really like God had kind of set everything up for us to start to fellowship. And so we've just built this friendship, just this kingdom connection. It's been really great, really fruitful. Um, so I'm really excited to have him on today and just see where the Holy Spirit takes this conversation. Hi. Hi, I'm, I'm so excited happy to be here. here. I was looking, thinking back of when I messaged you. It was funny because I saw some of the people you were with. And I, in my mind, this is just wrong thinking. But I thought, oh, she probably thinks I'm crazy because I believe in deliverance, which is sad that I'm just starting strong here. We have like a whole church culture where if you do think about this, if you do what Jesus did in the scripture, you think you're crazy. Like I, I sometimes look at people and go, oh, they probably don't like me because I do deliverance. But it's like why are we ashamed of Jesus? Why are we ashamed of yeah. deliverance? And I think one thing God's doing in your life and my life even is breaking the shame off that like deliverance is an amazing thing. Casting out demons is beautiful. Seeing people get set free. So I, I laugh when I look back because I thought in my head when I messaged you, she's just going to ghost me because like I'm a deliverance <laughs> guy when in reality, you didn't even see my message. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was just me thinking that. I probably would have ghosted you if I did yeah, see it at that time sure. because I was really against all it. We really did just kind of jump right in there. Yeah. Start strong. <laughs> um, yeah, something that I hear a lot of is with deliverance in general, and we'll get into your testimony in a minute, but I want to address this before I forget is people always say like, oh, they hear like, oh, the deliverance sets you free. And th that means Jesus doesn't. Can yeah. you just talk about that really quick and just like yeah. shatter that, please? Yeah, people say like you, you take away from the power of the cross. You don't believe in the power of the cross because you believe in deliverance. When in reality, the reason we believe in deliverance is because of the power of the cross. Yeah. If you look at the word salvation, the Greek word is sozo, which literally means healing, deliverance, and preservation. It's, it's not just that you get saved, which is a Western idea of, if you go to other countries, no one's debating this. They know like, oh yeah, yeah, salvation, you get saved, you get delivered, you get healed. We have this Western idea of salvation is 
I pray a prayer, which is not even in the right. Bible. Jesus comes in my heart and then I just kind of live however I want. And then one day I go to heaven, which in reality, salvation was powerful. That's why in Romans 1 16, Paul said, I'm unashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. So there's real power and in deliverance. The amazing thing about it is it's part of our inheritance. It's like if you went to Starbucks mm -hmm. and bought three coffees, you're not going to leave with one coffee. You'd grab one and then say, I paid for three. I'm not leaving with one. And a lot of Christians are like, Jesus paid for healing, deliverance, and salvation, but we're only going to take the salvation portion. When uh, deliverance is part of that, in the book of Matthew, I think chapter eight, they came to him and the Bible says he fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah by casting out demons, healing the sick to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. So part of fulfilling that prophecy of a, uh, Isaiah 54, 55, 56, the suffering savior, Isaiah 63, you go all through the book of Isaiah was that Jesus died, not just for us to be saved, but for in this life to be healed and to be delivered. So deliverance is all about the power of Jesus. We right. do it because we love Jesus. We love his Amen. word. You can't even get through like a chapter without seeing him do deliverance in the mm -hmm. gospels. So it's definitely not taking away the power of the cross. It's because of the power of the cross that we can drive out demons in his name. And we're not doing it in our name. This has nothing no. to do with us. We are doing this in the name of Jesus as second Corinthians chapter five says, we are Christ's ambassadors. Like we're Christ's representatives. And then Paul says, we are calling people back to God as if God himself were pleading through us, speaking through us. So like our ministry is calling people back to God, not just through preaching the gospel, but in Acts chapter eight, Philip was preaching the gospel, casting out demons and healing the sick. So I just don't see a world where how do you have a gospel presentation, but you don't do what Jesus did. Like Jesus was actually not just preaching, but demonstrating John 10. He said, if you don't believe in me, John 10, 38, believe in the signs and wonders that follow me and know that I'm in the father and the father's in me. So deliverance is amazing. It's beautiful. I don't want to spend this podcast. I know it's like tempting for us to spend this podcast defending deliverance, which yeah. we will defend deliverance all day long. I'm ready. Angela to stand before God on deliverance and go like, Jesus, you did this. I only did this because you did this. And if I'm wrong for this, I'm doing what Jesus did. I'm doing what the disciples did. I'm doing what the early church did. So this idea that we don't need it anymore. It's not like, Yesterday in my live stream, I said, did God look down and say, all right, guys, this is going to be the last deliverance right here. Like yeah. what deliverance was the last deliverance words? Yeah. He's like, shut it down. Michael, Gabriel, we need to yeah. shut this down. No more deliverance. It's yeah. absolutely needed right now. Yeah. And I know I, I said a lot. I, I, I'm no, Italian and Hispanic. So I'm going to ramble and use my so hands. Much. And last I checked, it says that um, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes. So I take that seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, we'll talk more about that. I really like uh, how you said salvation, what it means as a whole. Yeah. Um, but before we get there, can you explain how you got here? Like, where are you coming from? What's your testimony? How did you come to know the Lord? What did your repentance look like? What's that whole story? Yeah, so I'll give it at in a nutshell. At least like the cliff notes. Yeah, I'll give it in a nutshell because <laughs> I'll go like an hour and a half on the testimony. We won't do that. I was claiming to be an atheist, raised in church, grew up in the Christian home, but a lot of people raised in church, but not raised in Christ. So I was mm -hmm. raised in church, but never experienced the power the presence. So at 16, I decided I'm going to be an atheist. God isn't real. F God. Really? I had that mentality. Right. I was in a metal band. I was drinking almost every day, just living that lifestyle. 16, I decided I'm gonna stop going to church. I get a job. I graduated high school at 16, graduated college at 19. My parents taught me like you work hard, you be successful. And so I was with a girl for almost four years. A couple years had gone by. I wasn't in church. 0% wanted nothing to do with God. No idea of God. No desire. Like, I want to make this clear. God was a trillion miles away. Like, I had no thought that I would ever serve God, ever be a preacher. 
And my little sister was bugging me, just go to church one time. And so I told my girlfriend, we're going to just go to get her off our back because she won't stop bugging right. me. So I stepped through the door of a church. And in my mind, actually, I said this, this will be the last time I ever come to church. Like I said that walking through the door, sitting in the very back where it's like roped off as a big mega church. It was a youth service though. So like you're not supposed to sit in the very back. I'm sitting back there making sexual jokes about the worship leader, which I had no clue was the pastor's wife. It's so bizarre and twisted and demonic. Um, I'm making jokes. I'm just making fun. Like this is, I'm not want nothing to do with this. This is all fake. Like God is not real. I do remember my sister saying, you're going to feel something when you walk through the door of that church. And I did walk through that mm. church and felt something. I didn't know at the time it was God. And this was my first time in like a Pentecostal church, like a charismatic church where they believed in like, Imagine this. We believe God shows up like in church. You know, right. a lot of people don't believe that. Yeah. And uh, I stepped foot. I was like, oh, I do kind of feel something. This is weird, but I didn't want to admit it. So I'm sitting there making fun. The preacher's talking about world missions, which was not even relevant to me. And then I just felt during the altar call, he said, if you want to touch from God, come forward. Well, I felt I didn't want to come forward in my mind, but I felt something pulling on my shirt. And mm -hmm. I'm going to explain it the way I felt it at the time. So you could say, well, theologically in the Bible, I'm giving you guys my God encounter, right? Like yeah. don't put my God encounter <laughs> in a Petri dish or in a test tube and tell me why it's not what it is. This was my encounter as an atheist. I felt something pulling on my shirt, not knowing that no one comes to the father unless the spirit first draws them. So I didn't know I was being drawn by the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what the, what the Holy Spirit was. Mm -hmm. I go to the altar and I basically say, and if you're religious, just put your earplugs in here. But I basically say, God, I don't effing believe in you. And I was, I was not believing in God, but really, I, I think there's no such thing as an atheist. We all believe in there is a God. And mm -hmm. I think deep, deep down, although I claim to be an atheist, I knew God was real. Like only a fool says there is no God. Romans yeah. 1 says God made himself known through all creation. So I'm like, God, I don't effing believe in you. But if you're real, and Angela, I was so broken, desperate, had everything going, the nice car, graduating college early, the girlfriend, a good job, getting hired as a deputy sheriff. I had my whole life planned out, but at the end of the day, I didn't want to get out of bed. I slept until one o'clock. I was up all night because I didn't want to face the reality of maybe there is nothing out there for me. Maybe life has no meaning. Maybe I am just a ball of gas spinning through an empty space. And I wanted so badly someone to say, Isaiah, you're broken. You're hurting you're going to hell. You need to change. You you can be born again. I didn't want to hear Jesus loves you. I was like, I love me. I don't, I don't want to hear Jesus loves me or invite him in your heart. Because remember, I grew up in church. I was every camp, Jesus come in my heart. I would go party and then Jesus come in my heart. Like I invited Jesus in my heart 400 times. My life was never changed. Mm. So I said in my mind, like, I don't believe in you. I'm not going to pray the sinner's prayer. But if you're real, so like I tested God, which you shouldn't do. The Bible says I like, don't test the Lord your God. But I really said, if you're real, and I started in my mind saying all these crazy things. And I, to this day, I don't know why I was said, I'll move out of state. I'll break up with my girlfriend. I'll leave my job in law enforcement. I'll travel the world, which is bizarre. Like why is an atheist saying God will travel the world for you? I'm just making all these bold claims. And I'm just basically saying I'll surrender everything. If you're real, like I so badly want something out there to, to have a purpose for me. I'm willing to get rid of what my life is that I know right now to just, and, and in my mind, I'm like, why am I even at the altar? I'm, I'm over here mocking a God that I don't even believe in. And I so didn't believe it. I just was willing to go all in. I hear this audible voice and I want to be clear. It wasn't an inward. It wasn't like I had the Holy spirit. It wasn't a soft. All I could explain it is it sounded like a thousand people talking at once, which the Bible does say his voice is out of the multitudes. And the voice said, Isaiah, I don't want 99.9% .9 of you. A lot of people, Angela, when they encounter God, God is like, I love you. I care about you. You know, I want, I have a purpose and plan. Jeremiah, they're quoting and all that. 
God basically told me like, I don't want part of you. And my personality is I'm all in with everything. Everything I get into, I'm all in. God said, Isaiah, I don't want 99.9% of you. I want all of you. And I started all of a sudden crying for the first time in 10 years, which mind you, I literally didn't cry for years. I was bitter, hard-hearted, angry, racist. I was so twisted up and demonized. I was racist towards my own race. Like I was just so out there and demonized and broken. And God said, I don't, I don't want 99.9% of you, but... If you give me everything, which is the biblical thing Jesus told people to do, I know now, I will use you to preach my gospel. And so I was in vision, trance, out of body, you can call it whatever you want. I don't care what you call it, but I I was seeing a bright light. I was seeing myself, literally seeing myself on a stage preaching to thousands of people. And in my mind, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm crying. I'm preaching for thousands of people. I'm in other countries. Everything I'm doing today, I saw myself at that altar. And so I'm crying. I already knew about Jesus. I already knew about the finished work of the cross. I was raised in church. I learned my whole life about Jesus. So I was like, yes, I want it. I, 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 my hands up at this point, I come back to my body and I'm crying. I'm repenting of my sin. And you know what hit me was how dirty I was. Cause I was drinking, partying, sleeping around, cussing every other word. Like a sailor had nothing on my vocabulary and I didn't have no conviction. I didn't think it was wrong. And the moment I met God, the first thing that hit me was that holy conviction. Like I'm unholy, yeah. you're holy, and I'm so convicted. And so yeah. I'm crying, literal dirt's coming out of my eyes. And I'm like, there's dirt in my hands. I don't know what's going on. As I'm seeing this like dirt in my hands, I don't know if it's spiritual, real, it is real as me and you are. And I'm crying. I'm in my mind. I'm like, why am I crying? Why are my hands up? Now there's dirt coming out of my eyes. I'm wiping my eyes, wiping my eyes. The preacher gets on stage. There's 500 kids at the altar and says, there's a young man in here. And God says, just like he took the dirty scales off of Saul, God is removing the dirty scales. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, God is real. Then I'm thinking my girlfriend's next to me. All of a sudden I start speaking in a language I've never heard before. I've heard it one time as a kid, I was probably like five years old. I remember my parents praying in tongues one time. I had this vivid flashback of that, but I'm praying in, I didn't really know what it was, but I'm speaking this language and I'm like trying to cover my mouth because I'm embarrassed. Like I'm yeah. babbling this, like speaking this. Yeah. My girlfriend's next to me and I'm like, what is she going to think now? Because now she's yeah. at the altar looking at me. I'm crying. My hands are up in the air. Dirt's coming out of my eyes. And so I'm frustrated going like, okay, Lord, I'll give you everything. I'll turn my life to you, Jesus. I believe in what you did on the cross. I'm willing, I'm repenting. I'm turning from my sin. I'll never be the same. I'm filthy, I'm dirty, I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah chapter six, who am I, Lord? Like, I'm unclean. And then I said, what do you want me to do? Like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know any pastors. I don't know any preachers. And the Lord said, I want you to pray for an hour a day. That was the only thing he told me to do. And in that moment, the preacher gets on stage and says, the Lord is telling some of you at this altar, you need to pray one hour a day. And then he says, just like the disciples couldn't pray an hour during Jesus's, when he was at Garden of Gethsemane, God's called you to pray an hour. And that led to Angela. Again, I can go an hour on this. Going home, not sleeping for three days, not eating for two weeks. To this day, 13 years later, I've never gone back to drinking, cussing, partying, pornography. I've been living a life of holiness, radical obedience. Um, I started a prayer meeting in my living room. And mind you, at the time I was throwing these big house parties, apartment parties. Well, it went from Isaiah Saldivar, the atheist, the drummer in the metal band, the drunk, the angry, bitter, sexual, just to now this guy is preaching his testimony, sharing in his living room, which turned into 
four to 500 people coming to my house at a country property every single week and me sharing my testimony and just being radical. I went home, threw away all my video games, all my music, deleted 40,000 songs off my computer. I was breaking stuff. I got rid of all the TVs in my house. My parents are like, what are you doing? Like, what happened to you? To the point of where my siblings were like, we don't know who you are. We physically don't recognize you. And on that day, January 12th, 2011, I was born again. I got new eyes. I was like, I was like a newborn. I didn't know how to talk. I didn't know how to walk. I didn't know how to live. And all of a sudden I'm just now this new creature and everything's different and preaching and revival and seeing miracles, seeing deliverances. And lots of my friends are still saved to this day. All my family got saved are still saved serving God in full-time ministry. And it wasn't just, oh, this radical kid, you're going to come down. Like I'm 13 years later, more passionate, more on fire, more radical than I've ever been. And the lie the devil gives us is like, you're going to burn out. This is just a phase. It's not a phase. It's every day, all day. Like Angela, this is God we're talking about. This is the God of the universe. (laughs) How could we be half in? Like, I don't understand. Even some people watching, like, how are you half in? How is this not? And some of them watching his veins are popping out. He's so excited in my mind. They say like, why are you over there shouting? And I'm like, why are you dying? Like, why aren't you excited? Why aren't you passionate? If you meet this God and Job said, my ears heard about him, but now my eyes see him. Like when you see the Lord and God does this work in your life and says, even though you're broken and hurting and Angela, I had nothing to offer God. Right. Like I had nothing. All I had to offer God was my hands and my feet. And in Romans 12 says, give your body to God as a living sacrifice. So when people say, why don't you watch worldly movies and listen to worldly music and smoke and drink? I'm like, I can't. My body doesn't belong to me. I've given my whole body over to God. And now he tells me what to do, where my eyes are, where my eyes can look, where my hands can do. Like a lot of Christians watching this have never given their body to God. They gave God maybe a prayer or maybe they give God 90 minutes. And that's why we have like the 90 minute God. It's Christianity light version. We have a sugar free, (laughs) zero calorie Jesus now, right? It's like we don't have the full punch of the gospel. And I'm just like, dude, if you go all in, and you just say, God, I'll surrender. Like if God can use a guy like me, God can use anybody watching this video. Mm-hmm. And I hope what people hear in my testimony is not arrogance, not pride, but going right. like, dude, if God can use this guy, the skinny, half Italian, half Hispanic, half Chihuahua, like crazy radical, just preaching all over the place guy. I'm like, why can't God use me? Why can't God touch my life? Or maybe they're watching like, man, I want that. Yeah. I want that fire. I want that passion. Yeah. And that's what I, I pray this podcast will do. I pray it'll spark something where someone will get a holy jealousy, fall to their knees and say, Lord, I'll give you everything. Amen. That's what God wants. God wants everything. So that's my story. It's like, yeah. I don't want 99.9. I want everything. And, and I gave him everything. And, and here we are. There's like your testimony as I'm hearing you speak, I realize is like a crossbreed between mine and my husband's testimony. Mm. He hasn't come on the podcast yet to share it, but I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah. It's just awesome because he also heard God talk to him. Um, and then, so with me, when I first got saved, it was the same thing. Like I was just on fire because I was so dead before, like Mm. I believed in God, but it was like the Build-A-Bear. That's what I always call the new age God. It was the Build-A-Bear God. It was just like, you just pick and choose things from different religions that feel good. And then you make like a cuddly little bear of God. Um, and so when I was really convicted of my sin and I was like, I can't do astrology anymore. I can't do yoga. And I, and I was delivered from depression, I knew it was Jesus and I just went all in right away. Like I threw out everything. I burned everything. I got rid of all this stuff. And 
at the time before Mike, my now husband was saved, he and then like all my new age friends were all saying like, you're being too much. Like this is too much or this is too much. Or some of my old new age friends would say like, oh, this is just how you get, you know, you get really passionate about something. So I had all these people and like, I see this in hindsight now, all these people around me that were just like, I had this flame and they were all just like, like they just all wanted to put it out right away. And I remember this one conversation and he and I have talked about this recently and he's like, I'm so sorry. I was like that to you, but we had this one conversation when Mike, who was my fiance then, when he was agnostic, he asked me, we're sitting at the kitchen table and he's like, do you even like to do anything anymore? Do you have any wow. hobbies? Do you like want to listen to music? Like, do you want to go to the movies? Do you want to go out? Do you want to do anything? And I remember sitting there and I was thinking, no, like yeah. he was like, who are you? You don't have an identity. You're losing yourself in this thing. Not realizing because I didn't have an understanding of scripture then. Like I didn't know the full gospel. I didn't know that Jesus says literally lose your life. Yes. Pick up your cross, follow me. Like you are not your own. And I'm sitting there thinking like, like Jesus is my life. Like yes. Jesus is my hobby. He is my passion. But I started to get insecure about it. Um, and think to myself, well, no, like, no, I'm still me. I'm just me with Jesus now. Mm. And so like, I started out really strong and I, I've shared this before. And anyway, I've shared this before, um, that I cast out a demon that was pretending to be my grandma. like before having an understanding of what that meant. Like I was really on fire. I was going to go all in with the Holy spirit and then got insecure about it. People Mm. around me were like, no, 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 no. The spirits around me were like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, I'm hanging up crosses on the wall and Mike is like, no, don't, I don't want those on the walls, even though he didn't care when there were like Buddha heads and stuff. So it was just like all these people, um, even my mom, like all these people just like, this is too much. You're going, you're going too much. I want you to be careful with this, blah, 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 blah. Kind of put me out. And then that kind of just led me to like, just YouTube, honestly, like I felt like I had no one but YouTube and I didn't want to be deceived again because of what I did in new age. So it's like, I sought out other people before I sought out the Lord because I didn't trust myself. So I just sought out what other people were saying about him Mm. rather than what he says about himself or what he wants to reveal to me. Yeah. And so I got this morphed idea in my head that, um, I just, I basically like I could just, I could still be in the world and have Jesus at the same time because I started believing like, well, and not to say this isn't true that we're not covered by his grace, but I was like, well, I have his grace. It's it's his grace. I'm I'm saved now. Once saved, always saved. Like I was just, Mm. I was really in that kind of camp. And so I did start to fall back into the world. And it was this weird, this weird paradox I was living in where I was so on fire on one end, but then like, I felt like I couldn't be on the other end. And I was afraid to let go of the world because I was afraid of who I was going to lose in the process. Mm. And I didn't want to lose those people. And I didn't want to lose what they thought of me um, or how loved I was. But then I just, I knew that Jesus was the way I knew he was it. I knew that everything else was a lie. So I've heard this, I've heard this quote before that there's no one more miserable than the backsliding Christian because they have too much of the world to fully go all in with God and then too much of God to go all in with the world. And that was me because I kept going back to sin. And then, you know, I went through deliverance. I've shared that before on the, on the, on your, on your podcast and on mine. Um, so that had like a big factor in it that I didn't realize before. And my water baptism had a huge factor in it that I didn't realize before because I went through the first whole year of my walk, just like, I don't need to get baptized. That's not, that's not important. That's stupid. That's stupid. And then I got baptized and everything changed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was just, it was just this whole, this, 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 this weird place that I was in for the first year where 
I wanted to get on and have this podcast because I wanted people to know the truth. But then when it came to actually telling people the truth in, in everyday life, like sitting across face to face like this, I, I was scared to, I felt like I couldn't do it. Mm. And the past like six months, like I'm so on fire yeah. for God. Like I want to tell everybody. Yeah. And like, I see people's eternity now. Like I, I was telling, um, I was telling my friend earlier that I've, I've been watching these testimonies and you just posted a video of like people going to hell and yeah. what that experience is like. I've been watching, like binge watching testimonies of that because when you interact with someone face to face and you realize like that is their fate, it yes. just like changes everything. And you realize that was your fate. How can you not yep. tell everybody like, what do you mean you want to, you still want to go have, have your, your, your night out drinking? Like yeah. Why? Yeah. I think a lot of people don't look at eternity as serious. They don't realize like you're going somewhere. You have this tiny part of your life that's going to determine where you go forever. And now there's a new teaching. You might've heard it in the body of Christ, which is complete heresy saying like we soul sleep until the final judgment. When Jesus gave the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, which wasn't really a parable as a story. He says like this guy literally was in hell. There was a chasm between him mm -hmm. and he wanted to cross the chasm. And he said, please send somebody or just give me a drop of water. And he said, you can't, ha you can't. There's a separation between us and you. The poor man goes to heaven. The rich man goes to hell. There was a literal hell. There's a literal place of burning and torment that most of our, according to scripture, most of our friends and family are going. And here we are arguing and fighting on YouTube and fighting on Facebook, whether should we cast out demons? Should we speak in tongues? Should we heal the sick? Meanwhile, there's people really dying and going to hell. Like our friends and family are dying and going to hell and we're not sharing the gospel with them. We're not declaring Jesus is King. Jesus is alive. God is real. You have to give your life to God. This life doesn't matter. This life doesn't matter. Paul said, my life is worthless right. other than sharing the gospel. You know, if any man be in Christ, he becomes a new person. The old Angela, the old Isaiah is passed away. Like I had friends like, I just like you. I don't like you anymore. I, I used to like the old you. I'm like, bro, that guy's dead. Yeah. That guy's never coming back. Amen. The old perverted, nasty, cussing, drinking, partying Isaiah. He's dead. He's never coming back. And I'm not just a changed person. God doesn't want to change you. He wants to kill you. I'm a new person. Like I'm dead. The Bible says to be crucified with Christ. Nowhere does it say invite him in your heart, add him to your life. He's just going to, you know, enhance. He doesn't come into like our house and fix up the broken pipes. He demolishes the house and then rebuilds us a new person. Like you lost your mind, Angela. Yes. That's actually the point. It's to lose my mind and get the mind of Christ. If Amen. you're, if you don't have that reaction, I'm just saying maybe you haven't been born again. There's a lot of Christians that have never been born again. And then Jesus tells Nicodemus in the book of John, unless you're born again, you will not inherit. And then John's like, well, how can I go back in my mother's womb? And he's trying to do what religious people do. Contextualize, intellectualize, analyze, you know, put the in put God in a test tube. I don't understand this. Where's this in the Bible? And they're trying to figure out God. And Jesus is like, Nick, it's not about intellectually being born. I'm not talking about literal. Like we're not tonight, here today talking about literal. We're talking about supernatural. Mm -hmm. Nicodemus, this is spiritual. You have right. to be born again in the spirit realm. Like right. you're now a new person. You're now in the spirit realm born again. So now what you're feeling of, I'm losing my desires. I remember feeling that. Like my wife and I, we didn't go to the movies for nine years, eight years after being married. Like we didn't want to go to movies, concerts, Sports. I remember my wife, we were married like six or seven years. She got me tickets to like the Giants game, which 
if she's watching this, I love you, honey, but I don't even watch baseball, but I'm like, all right, let's go to a Giants game. We haven't done anything in forever because all we do is go to church and pray. Like literally, that's our whole life. Yeah. And we went and we left early. We're like, this is so boring. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing? We're yelling about guys in tight pants running around, like touching down on little pads. It's just, Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy, a good soldier does not get entangled with civilian affairs. Like you lose your desire to be a civilian when you become a soldier. You're in a war now. And my only desire is God. And it's revival. It really does take everything from you. When you're in real revival, you lose your desire for the world. I I, I can't, people say, what's your favorite movie? I don't even know the last time I watched a, a movie because yeah. not because I'm like, I'm holy, which I do think that's part of it. I'm big on holiness. We could talk about that later. It's not even about holiness. It's about like, dude, I'm bored. Like this is not eternal. This, yeah. this doesn't matter in a hundred years. It's not gonna, I, all I want to talk about is God. The moment I wake up, it's God. The moment I go to bed, it's God. The drive here, the drive to the airport on the plane, it's the Bible app, it's the preaching, it's sermons, it's podcasts, it's God. It's talking to my preacher friends. It's like all I care about. I want to spend every single, I already wasted Angela 19 years playing for the wrong team. Like I already spent 19 years working for the devil. I'm not giving him another 30 seconds. I'm not giving him another moment of time. And so what you're experiencing is all out, sold out, biblical. And what, why it's crazy is because we have this plastic, synthetic, watered down, lukewarm, hometown buffet, McDonald's, Jesus, Christianity light, um, just lukewarm, yo-yo. Like the Christianity today is more plastic and synthetic than the lawn chair out in the front of your of your studio. Like it's just completely watered down and lukewarm. And then when you have a radical encounter, people go like, what's that? That's not... That's not what I see at church and what my friends and family who are Christian are that still party, still drink, still everything. So here's what they do. That's not like all the lukewarm people I know. So that you must be in a cult because it doesn't fit into the Christianity of today. But the problem is American Christianity doesn't fit into the Bible and biblical Christianity isn't anywhere in the American church. Mm. So we're kind of like, where do, where are we? And then they say, you're just radical. Thank you. The word radical means the root, the beginning. And so yeah, radical Christianity is very rare in the American church. And one thing we're trying to do is preach the biblical gospel. Go back to what did Jesus say? Nothing new. There's no new teaching. We have people go on my channel like, I've never heard this. I'm like, yeah, that's because you're at a dead church that doesn't preach the full gospel. But if you go on my YouTube, there's no new teaching. There's nothing new. There's no new invention. It's just, we've gone so long without the fear of God, holiness, repentance. I'm over here cussing, saying repentance and holiness, repentance, holiness, revival, preaching on hell, deliverance, casting out demons, telling the sick, the full gospel that now it's like, oh, you must be in a cult because you believe in deliverance. Like, oh no. Or you're You're a legalist. Yeah. You're like, no, you're talking about, I just must be a biblical book of Acts Christian, which is what we're seeing. Right. Yeah. And I, um, I recently, maybe like about a month or two ago, I made a post about, um, just this reel about, you know, oh, demonic demonic movies like can open doors and like secular music influences your mind and i don't know what else oh yoga christians can't do yoga like just like all these worldly things and like still to this day like people are commenting on it like um like horror movies are art and god created art so it's it's fine and it's like why do you even want to watch like i don't understand why you even want to watch it yeah like what is why it's death it's it's quite literally the opposite of Jesus, who is life. So I just, I don't know. I don't understand it. I'm not trying to throw stones or judge anybody because that's not what it's about. It's just like, do you understand what he did for you? Yeah. Like it's exactly what you said. Um, we're dead. Like that yeah. version of ourselves is dead. So 
I don't want to, I don't want to live in the corpse of who I was. Mm. And like what happens when you carry around a corpse, right? It's like, it, it would, it would smell, it yes. would be heavy, it would rot, it would spoil, and it would inevitably make you do all of those things too. So just like take off the, the that's what Paul says, take off the yes. old man, like yes. put on Christ. He says, put on Christ. Like, what does it mean if we're actually put putting on Christ and walking in the fruit of the Holy Spirit and walking in obedience? Yeah. So can you talk about actually, because this is a criticism I've been getting a lot lately is like, it sounds like you're preaching sinless perfection, and like legalism and blah, blah, blah. So what do you think about when people say those types of things? Yeah, so I would say holiness looks like legalism to those that are lukewarm. Lukewarm people, religious people will always look at holiness and go, you're doing too much. In my mind, I'm like, who's gonna stand on judgment day and God's gonna say, oh, you just did too much, Isaiah. You just prayed too much. You just read too much. You just fasted too much. You did. It's the opposite in the church. The problem in the American church, I, like, I don't look at the American church, Angela, and go, man, we just have way too much works. We just have way too much holiness, like legalism. Like too, there's too many people in the church that are doing it by the book. Like this is just way, I look at the American church and I've been in 500 of them in the last 13 years. And I go, we don't see anyone working out their salvation with fear and trembling. We don't see any works at all. Like no one's doing much for God these days. We don't see people living even legalistic. And if, if we, if it's call me legalism, like I would rather err on the side. I made this decision a long time ago. I would rather err on the side of legalism than err on the side of rebellion. I would rather err on the side of legalism than err on the side of not doing anything for God. If you look at David, when he lost the presence of God, David gets the Ark of God back. And then David goes, okay, we're never going to let that happen again. Like we're never going to lose the presence of God. And anyone watching this, that's felt like, oh, I feel like I'm losing the presence of God or the anointing lifting off my life, which is biblical, knows the, that terrible feeling of like, I don't feel the fire anymore. I don't feel the passion. Like I know what it's like to feel like you've right. lost the presence of God yeah, and then you too. get it back like where you're at right yeah. now. And you're like, I am never losing this again. Yeah. Like, so here's what David says. David says every six steps or carrying the ark, right? Which the ark was never meant to be drug on a cart. That's how they lost it. They were dragging it on a cart it is meant to be carried. So they carry supposed to carry it on their shoulders. They're carrying the ark of God. And David says every six steps, which is like, you know, from here across the studio, we're going to put the ark down and we're going to sacrifice and we're going to worship and all this stuff. We're going to do this thing. Nowhere in scripture did God say to do that. Like that's what, David, you're legalistic. Why are you doing that? God never said, but David said, I'm going to go over and above to make sure that I have the presence of God. Like I want to make sure without a shadow of a doubt that God and I, God is everything like without his presence. That's what Moses said. God told Moses, listen, Moses, you just go ahead on without me. Like, I'm going to go, I'll send some angels. I'm not going to go. I'll send angels with you. And, and Moses said, I'm not going without your presence. I refuse to go a step. And this is what Moses says, Angela, how are they going to know who we are and our, how our set apartness without your presence, right. like without your presence, we're no different than them. We have to have the presence of God. And so what people want to do is, oh, that's legalistic. No, it's holy. It's walking righteous. The Bible says, be holy as I am. Yes. holy." It doesn't say you are holy because I'm holy. It says be holy. So holiness is a decision we make. And my natural inclination when I encountered God, my first thought was, and first desire was, I need to get rid of everything that is not holy. Literally, I need, I need to get rid of everything in my life that is not holy, not set apart, not consecrated. And sure enough, if you look at the name of God, it's holy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of you will say, well, his name's the Holy Spirit. Spirit is not a name. Spirit is a definition. 
Holy is literally his first name. So if you look at the word Holy Spirit, (laughs) the word spirit or ghost is not a name. You don't name someone spirit. That defines who that person is, which I want to be very clear. I almost said it's a person. Jesus said he will come and testify of me. Jesus used a capital H in talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is 100% a person and the Holy Spirit's name is not Holy Spirit. It's holy. That's literally his first name. Like God, you are holy. You're not like anything else. You're set apart. And so if the God we serve, the God that lives in us, because theologically, God, the father's on the throne. Jesus is at the right hand of the father. Theologically, the Holy Spirit's God in us. Mm -hmm. If he lives in us and he's holy, how are you not going to be holy? How are you not going to live consecrated and say, if everybody else is doing it, I'm not doing it. Is it sin? I don't know, but I know it's not holy. I know drinking isn't holy. I know smoking is holy. We can argue all day. Well, in the Bible, if you go back, I don't really care. I just know everyone else is drinking. Everybody else is smoking. Everybody else is vaping. Everybody else is carnal. Everybody else is watching and doing. And I don't want to be like everybody else. And then let me say this last thing. Paul says you can either be a wooden vessel or a golden vessel. And he says the wooden vessel is for normal average purposes. Like my grandmother used to have in a China hutch, this China, uh, what it would it be like plates and silverware and like a gravy bowl and all this. And as a kid, I was looking and go like, that is so cool. When could we use that? My grandma once a year would take the China out of the China hutch, which people watching this like, what's a China hutch? Young people have no clue. She would take the China out and every like Thanksgiving or whatever the holiday was, we get to use the special dish. Here's what Paul says. You could either be a normal wooden spoon used for normal things, which is not bad. God will use you here and there, or you can be set apart that China and the China hutch for special purposes. He's called like a golden utensils. And in my life, I have made a choice. Can you be a normal average Christian that just goes to church on Sunday and be saved? Probably. Paul says you'll barely be saved. Some will barely make it, but I'm not trying to barely make it. Like I want to be used of God in this generation. And and that's what God is doing. God is raising up a remnant that says, I want to be used for special purposes. When God says, I want to save this country or this state or this area, or I want to start when God looks down and says, I want to start a revival in Manteca, California, which by the way, no one even knows where that's at. It's unheard of. I want to raise up a movement where thousands of people will get healed, delivered, saved. I want to start a revival like that people have not seen before, like the book of Acts where people are outside my house. I had 300 people outside my house looking through a window to get into my home. Like it's unheard of. It makes no sense. No social media. It was just crazy. God says, I'm going to find not an average normal Christian. I'm going to find a guy that says, God, I'll give you everything. When I want to reach all these new agers, I'm going to find a girl that says, God, I'll give you everything. God is not looking and going, I'm going to pick a lukewarm person. Name one lukewarm person that did anything great for God. Hmm. It just doesn't happen. And so, man, when we say, oh, that's legalism, it's in my opinion. It's just a cop out to say, I don't want to live that high standard because we know Jesus didn't lower the standard. He said, the law says, if you sleep with that woman, you've committed adultery. And then Jesus says, but I say, if you even look at a woman, so he didn't lower the standard. He actually, he raised the bar, but then says, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you grace and I'm going to give you the Holy spirit. So now you can live a life of purity and holiness. Like it's only by, not by our works. No one, no one's here saying we need works. We need we're doing this because we love the Lord. Like I do stuff for my wife, not because I have to, it's because I get to, because right. I love her. So even with deliverance, we're not doing it because we have to, we're doing it because God's given us the power to, and we love people and we're compassionate. Like, I don't want to see you struggle with suicide. I don't want to see you struggle with depression. So I'm going to do this out of an overflow of love 
for you because God is in me. That's why. So when you see, just going to say it, people that hate deliverance, they hate miracles, they hate, they're just in their mom's basement making YouTube videos. Like the reality is like, you don't love people. You don't have the love of God. And the Bible says, if you love people, you'll love with not just word, but you'll love with action. And then James says, if you have no works, what kind of faith is that? Like that's a faith that can't save you, which is, I don't want to open that can of worms, but yeah, faith without works is dead. It's not legalism. It's holiness. Let me just say this last thing. Legalism is what you do for man to see. Holiness is what you do for God to see. I'm not doing what I'm doing for man to see. I'm doing it for God. And that would be the difference between holiness and legalism. In my 30 minute sermon there of talking about holiness and legalism. I love it. I'm long winded. That's seriously like I've been so on fire for this topic lately because I see like how I was living. Like I said, just well, essentially just lukewarm Yeah. in the world, in God, in the world, in God, in the world, repenting, crying, going back to the world, going back to God. Like that's, that's literally misery. Yeah. Um, and praise God that he didn't like hand me over to that because it, it's, you know, it says God sees the heart. I know he was patient and is patient with me in the sanctification process. And I know I have, I've said this in the last episode that I recorded with someone, I've put myself in a position of like public sanctification. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, something that's important to me in doing that is showing people that it's okay to be sanctified and it's okay to let the Holy Spirit change you and transform you as like when you become a new creation, what that really looks like to embody that, mm, to good. live like that. Um, and this isn't like me boasting. It's not like, oh, look at me now. It's just look at what Jesus has done. Like, look at what he continues to do in my life. Like every time I've heard you say this before that like, sometimes you feel like you're living in a dream. Like you can't, that's how I feel like 90% of the time when I'm just like driving around Tennessee, I'm like, I can't believe I live here. I can't believe I'm pregnant. I can't believe that my once agnostic husband who once told me it's me or God, like literally once said that to me, it's me or God is now like crying and praying and worshiping and like throwing away his old stuff. Like I, like what? Thank you, Jesus. Yes. I can't believe you've given me a platform that I had no idea this would turn into what it's turning into. All I knew was that I just wanted to share who Jesus was and keep sharing who Jesus was. And that's all that, like, I don't do this for man. Yeah. I don't do this for clicks. I don't do this for likes. If anything, I'm getting a lot of backlash for doing what I'm doing and saying what I'm saying. But that's because like, I literally am on fire for Jesus. I am sold out to him. I don't want I don't want lukewarm. I don't want the 90 minute Jesus you're talking about. I don't want to go back and forth like, well, the Bible says, you know, drunkenness is a sin, but you know, having a drink isn't a sin. Like, I don't care. I just don't want to, because like you said, it's not, it doesn't look like holiness. Like, how am I going to witness to someone with a beer in my hand? Like, you know, um, it's just not a good look because it's not what Jesus looks like. And, um, like the Bible says like, no one can snatch, us out of his hand, but like, I can probably jump out, Yeah, you know, Yeah, but I don't want to jump out. I don't want to be half in with him. I'm literally in love with him. I can't believe that he saved me. I was seriously like, I was a disgusting person. I was with someone and lusting over other men. I was acting like Jesus was this hippie guru portal man Mm. instead of Lord over my life. I was acting like he was just like this hippie homie that I could go to along with all these other gods and goddesses that by the way are all dead. Um, there's only one empty tomb 
And I was, I was smoking weed every night. I was letting demons come into my life by smoking weed. It was just another topic that's been coming up a lot. Um, I was doing all these disgusting, gross things and I didn't even realize it because I didn't think sin was real. Yeah. And that's like the biggest, the, the biggest slap in the face of all is just like, well, I'm not really sinning. And then it kind of like translated into when you're lukewarm, you just say like, well, if I sin, I'm covered by the blood. And like, that's a really gross mentality to have. Yeah. Because like people always say, well, I have his grace. You're covered by grace. It's grace. It's grace, grace, grace. It's like, well, why do you even want to take advantage of the grace? Yeah. Like who are you to take advantage of the king, the savior, the God of the universe that literally took you and made you alive when you were dead, Mm. changed the trajectory of your eternity and made you a saint, but you want to act like you're still this dead slob sinner. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. You know, the Bible says like a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. And if you look at a dog, like a dog doesn't know any better. It's doing that because it's a dog. And a lot of people, they claim to be born again, yet they still act like a dog. And then the proverb says, like a wash pig returns to the mud. And I grew up with animals and we had a pig that my mom would literally wash and it would go right back to the mud. And it's like, why are you doing that? Because you're not born again. And it goes back to what we talked about is having this born again experience where God is not just an intellectual idea where I'm just going to pray and maybe hope like I'm shooting a dart out into the galaxy. Hopefully I hit something, but God is actually experiential where you can actually experience the power and the presence of God. Read the book of Acts and tell me the disciples didn't experience God. Like they had experiences. They would pray the house. This is what the Bible will say. The house where they were at shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The house where they were at was shook, shaking. These were experiences and a very popular idea right now is only propagated by people, mind you, that have no experiences, but they say, you guys are all about experience. We're not about experience. In my mind, I'm like, the whole gospels are the experiences the disciples had with Jesus. That's what the gospels are. What did you experience when you were with him? The whole testimony of in Acts chapter one, verse eight, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and be my witnesses. A witness testifies to firsthand knowledge of an event. So we, we, what were we witnessing? We're witnessing what we saw God do. We're here tonight talking about testimonies of what God has done in our life. This is all about that. It's not about, oh, I just read about it. Experiences do matter. I don't know why we're on this. Experiences don't matter. Now, of course, if your experience violates God's word, we reject the experience. Like that must've been a demonic experience. But if our experiences line up with scripture, it's like in the book of, I think it's Matthew chapter eight, when John the Baptist disciples came to Jesus saying, hey, John's in prison. He's wondering like, are you the one or should we look for another? Which that's a whole nother story. That was after John baptized him. That was after John said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Like John, why are you doubting? But John's doubting John's in prison. And then Jesus says, go tell John, didn't give him a theological argument, didn't give him a long debate, didn't give him an exegesis of some scripture or, or anything like that. He said, go tell John what you have seen and what you have heard. Right. The sick are healed. Demons are cast out. The blind see. He literally told them, go tell John your experience with me. So when it comes to experience, this whole idea of experiences don't matter. And you guys are all about experience. And that's why, you know, when you come out of the new age, it's all experience. And now you're all about Jesus experience. Like, yeah, we want to experience God. God is experiential. The Bible makes that clear. We can experience God, not just, and I don't think it has to always be an experience. I don't think it always has to be emotional, but there are moments 
where God transcends our emotions and we are touched and we do cry and we are at the altar on our knees and we are screaming, shouting for God just the same way the people that are mad about it shout for their favorite football player. Like there is a time where we experience God in prayer. And if you start going into like a life of prayer, which is for me a big message because when I got saved, all my life was, was prayer. I was praying eight to 12 hours every single day. We had a 24 hour prayer meeting going on for months at my house. All my friends that were getting saved just lived at my house. We prayed, we literally prayed 24 seven. And I remember so many experiences I had with God. And even now when I go into my prayer closet and I experience God, whether he speaks through his word, whether a Bible scripture comes up, whether I hear his voice in a whisper, whether I experience some type of angelic presence or some type of born again experience, or God transforms me, or I'm in prayer and I'm like, oh, I felt God did something in me. I always think like, why don't I do this more? And a lot of people watching, they want that supernatural experience, but they don't want to pay the price in the secret place. They don't want to pay the price to push through the crowd to say, I'm going to grab the hem of his garment. But I just, I struggle to read the gospels and come up with a God where there's no experience, a God where there's no power, a God where it's all just head knowledge and just um, knowledge. Like how do we have all this knowledge? Knowledge puffs up. We have all this knowledge and all these people that claim to be Bible scholars and teachers, but they have zero experience when it comes to the things of God. And again, we're not all about experience. We're not led by experience. We're not led by emotions, but we do experience God. How are we going to not experience God and say God's living in us and God is real. And I think we're in a time now where God's giving people these experiences like you had and like I had, how do you explain it? God spoke to me audibly. Right. I'm not hearing God's voice audibly every day. I've heard it twice in 13 years, but I do hear that still small voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Like one of the main characteristics of being a Christian is you'll hear the voice of God. And you have all these sermons of God doesn't speak anymore. Miracles aren't happening anymore. And it's like, maybe not in your world, but when I open up the Bible, I see it all over. And when I step out in faith and pray for people and mm-hmm. believe and put time in and read my Bible right. and it's, I see God, I experience God yeah. and he's amazing. I actually, earlier this week, I was actually looking for a verse, um, that said something even remotely along the lines of God is not meant to be experienced. Yeah. And there is not like, yeah. that just is not there. Like, I don't know where this came from. And like, I understand that just like with every, every single tier of Christianity, There is a pendulum that goes too far when Jesus is clear to be on the narrow road, right? In Proverbs, it says, don't go too far left or too far right. So we have people that take, that take, um, things we're talking about, for instance, and then they just swing too far left or too far right, which Proverbs says is evil. Jesus says narrow road. Yes. So there in, in every single tier of Christianity, there is that left or right that Jesus himself says to avoid, um, and then that's where like all the, the battle comes in, like yeah. the war amongst the body of Christ, which just like thinking about an unbeliever's perspective from the outside looking in, there is absolutely nothing inviting about that at all. Mm-mm. I was actually talking to our mutual friend Taylor about this. Like why, why do we see like people that are on in the kingdom of darkness in more unity yeah. than Christians? Yeah. And this is something that's really just been, I I guess, like over the past like six to seven, eight months of my walk with the Lord that has been really highlighted for me is just seeing that. Um, Because I guess when, when you're just like in a, in a, in a camp that the devil doesn't really mind you're in, he'll just kind of leave you alone. Yeah. (laughs) But then when you're like really 
walking in everything that we're talking about, just like radical obedience, he hates it. Yeah. And it was Mike Signorelli that um, he told me once um, back in April, right before I got married, um, because there was a massive attack on me right before my wedding. Imagine that wow. um, online. And he told me that if you're not in a head on collision with the devil, you're probably going in the same direction. And yes. that has just stuck with me. So that being said, my point is, is that I've just really seen how Christians are like coming at each other's throat. And it's like, how are we winning souls to the Lord this way? Like, yeah. I don't understand like the fruit. That's not the fruit of the spirit. Absolutely. And the Bible says to test them by their fruit. Like you will know them by their fruit. What, where does the fruit come from? The vine. Yeah. If the vine doesn't look like Jesus, then where is the fruit coming from? Yeah. So can you talk about fruit for a minute and yeah. what that really looks like? Yeah. So fruit, a lot of people will say like the fruits of the spirit, which are great, you know, peace, joy, love, all that. But fruit is also like what you labor, what you've received, like actual works producing seeing people get saved, seeing people get healed, seeing people get delivered. Like that's the fruit. And the only way we're going to produce fruit, a, a tree doesn't have to try to produce fruit. And this mm. is where you get back to the holiness and legalism. Like we're not mustering something up, trying to make something happen. There's never been an orange tree where it's like, Oh, I'm really trying to produce fruit. A tree doesn't have to produce. It's a byproduct yeah. of being connected. The fruit will grow. And so when it comes to producing fruit, like it's a byproduct. If I'm connected to Jesus, if I'm truly connected, John 14, 12, he said, the works I've done, you'll do an even greater. Why? Because I go to the Father. So me doing the works of Jesus are a byproduct of being connected to the vine. He says, those that are connected, I'll prune so you'll produce even more fruit. But those that don't produce fruit, I will cut off and throw them into the fire. That's what he says in the book of John. So those that don't produce fruit get cut off from the vine. The way we stay connected is fruit produced. And we know a bad tree can't produce good fruit and a good tree can't produce bad fruit. So when you look at someone's ministry and go, Oh, that person must be false. Yet you see all the good fruit they're producing. One thing I will say about communities that call out others or they cause division or we call them heresy hunters, whatever you want to call. All you have to do to see what tree they're connected to is go to their comment sections. They're doing a video live reviewing you or me or someone else, all this division we see. All of the comments are negative, are hateful, are toxic, are spiteful. Oh, that guy's a wolf. Oh, that girl's not safe. Oh, look at the way, look at he's wearing glasses and he prays for the sick. All of them are just toxic and poison. And I go, is that fruit connected to the vine? Or when you come into one of our broadcasts or come to one of our events and everyone's, this is amazing. Praise the Lord. Here's the scripture. Let's go into the word of God. It's all positive. It's all beneficial. So you look at the two different fruits and go, okay, which one's connected? And I think there's a lot of people claiming to be serving God and on our side, but they're scoring in the wrong basket. Like they're wearing our Jersey, but they're going and scoring in the opposite way. And so I go like, why do you hate deliverance? Why do you hate miracles? Why do you hate young people getting saved? Like you're helping people come out of the new age. Why do you hate that? Like, why are we so mad about Keith, that? No, you know what I'm getting a lot is you're too young. Like, yeah. it's like they gaslight me. Like yeah. you, you shouldn't be doing this. Like be teachable. Like it's not that I'm not teachable, but like why, you know how many messages I get from people even to this day that are like, I watched your Michael Knowles interview and then I went and I threw out all my tarot cards. Like, yes. that's not me doing that. Like yep. that's Jesus using that interview, that opportunity that he gave me yes. to change people's hearts. But like, don't sit there and tell me that I'm, I'm too new to the faith, sister. You really need to sit back. You need to be humble. Like you have, like, I wouldn't believe a word that you say like yeah. about your salvation. It's like, 
but people are 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 actually coming to the Lord. And again, yes. it's not by me. It's by it's by the fruit. Yeah. It's the fruit that they see because the vine I'm abiding in is Jesus. And then they're seeing that. And then the Holy Spirit comes knocking and they answer the call. Yeah. And like, I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop the call that he's put on my life. And like, I've wanted to. Like yeah. in my flesh, I've wanted to. There have been plenty of times where I'm like, I want to delete my whole podcast. I want to delete every interview I've ever done. I hate this. I want to delete my Instagram. I want to throw my phone into the ocean. Can I do that, Lord? No. Okay. So it's like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like there are days where I want to quit, but it's like I, I get gaslit all the time on that. Like you're too new to the faith. And it's like, I'm, I've never claimed to be a teacher. Yeah. I am sharing just what is true. Absolutely. It's Jesus. There's nowhere in the Bible where God says you need to sit on the bench and wait. Peter had the Holy Spirit for 15 minutes and 3,000 people got saved. What are you going to tell Peter? Oh, you need to relax and calm down. All throughout the scriptures, Paul told Timothy, don't let anyone despise your youth. The whole famous verse of God is not giving you a spirit of fear, which is the word timidity, mm. was about t Timothy feeling because he's young, that he's timid, he's shy, he's all these elders and religious people are telling him he's too young. And Paul's rebuttaling going, don't let anyone despise you because you're young. People spoke, look at the prophecy your grandmother spoke over you, Timothy. God didn't give you that. Why are you being timid? God didn't give wow. you that spirit of fear. God gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So this idea that we have to, now the Bible says you shouldn't prop up a person that just gets saved as an elder or a pastor right. of a church. No one's doing that. No one's saying right. to do that. We're saying like when you get saved, you can boldly declare the word of God. There's no, you got to go through four years of Bible college. Like I don't see that in the New Testament and in scripture. And we're benching a lot of people that God has called and God is saying, go for it. And we're, we're quenching the Holy Spirit. We're despite the Bible says, don't, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't despise prophecy. So we're quenching the Holy Spirit by despising spiritual gifts, prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, gifts of faith, gifts of healings. Uh, we're despising those things and then in turn quenching the Holy Spirit. So when I see young people, like there's a couple young people right now, I'm kind of um, trying to disciple, trying to like oversee a little bit. And I have people that oversee me. I have pastors I submit to in a local church level. Me too, a, by the way. Yeah, at a national level. <laughs> but I'm like... They're so radical. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to ruin this. I don't want to tell them anything. Maybe there's a couple things they're messing up on, but I want them to be bold and radical and I don't want to get in the way. And so I'm trying to guide them, but I also don't want to throw water on their fire and remove their boldness and remove their passion. And a lot of people that get saved like me, I would thank God I had my uncle who was a pastor for 30 years and leaders over me that were like, hey, we're going to protect this fire. We're going to throw gas on this fire. But honestly, the only people that came against me were the religious people. The people in the world had no problem. We used to see all my friends and family getting saved. And the only people that were mad were the pastors in the area because, oh, they're casting out demons. Oh, they're in it. And this is the thing, Angela, my friends were coming to my prayer meeting at my living room and they would just start manifesting. Am I going to sit there and say, oh, you're faking it because in the Bible, no, no. No, I'm like, dude, you're manifesting. There's a demon. It's in the Bible. Oh, Jesus did it. Oh, okay. No arguing about it. Let's cast the demon out. Oh, the disciples in Matthew 10 did it. Oh, in Luke 10, the 72 did it. Oh, Mark 16, 17. Did it. Oh, Acts chapter 8. Oh, Acts chapter 16. Oh, Acts chapter 19. Handkerchiefs were laying on people and demons were coming out. I'm just like, let's just do it. Like, let's not think, let's not debate, let's not argue. John 14, 12, the works I'll do, you do. Let's forget the greater, because I know all the, oh, we're not going to, you think you're greater than Jesus? Let's just take out, even though we, we shouldn't, because it's in the Bible, but let's just, for a moment, take out the greater. Let's just stick with the same, because that's okay for the religious people. The same works I've done. Then we have to ask, like you said, what's the fruit? What's the works? Well, what was Jesus doing? He was preaching the gospel, so we should do that. We're doing that tonight. He was casting out demons. Mark 139, he went from synagogue to synagogue, casting out demons, and he was healing the sick literally everywhere he went. What else was he doing? He was fe miraculously feeding people and helping those. But 
the main three things he did were those three things. So you're telling me two of those things we shouldn't do anymore. And Jesus, so either have to believe you, who's a teacher in the word of God, thank God for you. Or I could just believe Jesus and what he said plainly in his word. And if you have to have like 15 Greek manuscripts and 14 commentaries to just figure out the same works I've done, you'll do, then I think we're overcomplicating the gospel and we're getting into legalism and works and um, going back to the law. I think we have to just take the word of God and say, this Mm -hmm. is what the word of God says. People need healing. People need deliverance. Mm -hmm. People need salvation. A person like you and a person like me, we tend to overthink things. We tend to overcomplicate, overanalyze because it's our personality because we're builders. We're that type A, like we get stuff done. Uh, We're going to do a studio. Let's get it going. Let's build it. Like you just do things. You get things done. But we also overanalyze and I've got to a place where I'm like, Lord, I want to have faith like a child. A child just believes, hey, we're going to pretend that the floor is lava and we're going to get these four pillows and we're going to put them down. An adult would be like, that's stupid. The floor is lava. Like this floor is not lava. It's, it's, it's linoleum. A child's like, let's jump on the pillows. There's lava all around. And, and Jesus looks at the kids and says, unless, think about this, Angela, unless you have faith like this, these little children where they just believe the floor is lava. And of course, that's not a scripture. I'm putting air quotes because it's, I'm using an illustration for those that are going to clip this. Unless you believe like that level of faith, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to be like these little kids in the way that you just believe. And I got to a place where even in Bible college, I did four years in Bible college. I took this prophecy. Well, there was a prophecy class in our Bible college where it taught about biblical prophecy. And the teacher was like, basically saying like, don't prophesy this, don't prophesy this, don't prophesy this. Don't like, and I'm at the end of the class, I'm like, I feel like I can't even prophesy anymore because you gave me, you just put so many stipulations and that's why we have to stay out of the comments. We have to stay out yeah. of the Heresy Hunter videos because when you start reading all of these comments about you or about me or about anything, you start thinking when you want to say something for God boldly, you start thinking, well, they're going to clip it. Well, what do they think about it? Well, what are they, the comments? And you start losing your sharpness. You start dulling the blade that God has given you. The Bible says out of his mouth comes a sword. Like out of Jesus' mouth is a sword that defeats the armies at Armageddon. I want my my tongue to be like that sword. Like when I speak, I want the words to be sharp, have clarity, have power. Have Like John the Baptist, man, he spoke with power and authority. Where even the religious people, if you look at Mark 1, when Jesus spoke, they looked around and go, who is this guy that speaks with such authority? We've never heard the religious teachers teach like this. What What is this? And then, he, of course, in Mark 1, a man in the synagogue is manifesting a demon. Jesus cast it out. And then the response is, what new teaching is this? Which is like what we always get when deliverance. Is this something new? No, dude, go back to Mark 1. It's mm. been there the whole time. But my point is like, when you start getting involved and reading comments and watching videos, you become very safe. And a person like you... God has not anointed you to be safe. God has not anointed you to be some religious, just sit in a corner. God has anointed you to be sharp. He's turned your lips into a trumpet. He's called you to call people out of deep levels of darkness. And we need that right now, Angela. Look at the world around us. Our generation, the devil has vomited on our generation. He has taken the gloves off. He's he is waged an all-out war against our age, our generation, Gen Z, Gen X, Gen Y, whatever gen you want to call millennials. He's waged an all-out war. We need some bold Christians that are going to shout what the, the voice of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Like he's not a house cat. He's a lion. They're going to be bold for God. They're going to declare the kingdoms of this world have now become the kingdoms of our God. This is not the time. I know I'm preaching here to be soft, to be complacent, to be lukewarm or to bow. Hey, everybody else is just bow down. And I've gone in that where I'm like, I want to fit in. I want to, I look at all the influencers and you know, I don't want to cry. Like I'm not, I don't fit in. Cause I have 
praise the Lord, one of the biggest Christian pages on YouTube. I thank God for that. So I'm not here crying, but at the same time, I look at some of the people that are, you know, cool on YouTube and they're the religious guys. And I'm like, I kind of want to be their friend. Then the Lord's like, really? You want to be, you want to be sanitized? You want to be safe? You want, and then I'm like, nah, I was an atheist. Like right. I want to be radical. I want to yeah. be bold and unashamed of the gospel. And yeah. I think for you, for me, for those watching, we're not talking tonight to those that are just on the fence. We're not talking to the cheerleaders. We're not talking to the barking dogs that are trying to get a train to stop. Like the loudest boosts come from the cheapest seats. A train doesn't stop for barking dogs that we don't need to take advice from cheerleaders on how to throw the ball. Like if you're on the field, get on the field with me, get dirty with me. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. Things are going to happen, but Hey, at least I tried. I'd rather, I'd rather step out and drown than just to be dry in the boat with all of you. And so I look at some people and go, actually, you know what? I don't want to be like them. Because when the sick get around them, they don't get healed. When the demonized get around them, they don't get delivered. When the dead get around them, they don't get raised. When the lost get around them, they don't get saved. And I want to be around the wild ones. I want to. I don't care about reaching these recycled, sanitized Christians. Like I want to reach the ex-New Ager, the yeah. ones that are in prostitution, the ones that are on drugs, the ones that are partying, the ones that are lost and broken. And Christians will follow and they'll be a part and they'll get revived and all that is great. But man, we got to be bold and we can't allow like what the culture says and what the church culture says to water down our voice. Yeah. Another Amen. 30 minute sermon. <laughs> a good. This is this is why I invited you. Yeah. I um I've been listening to Dan Moeller a lot. Do you know him? Yeah. I love yeah. him. I've been something that he says a lot in his sermons is um, you know, when you squeeze an orange, you don't get apple juice. So That's like good. why is it when we squeeze a Christian, like we get everything but Christian? Mm. Like, why do we squeeze a Christian and not get Jesus? Yeah. And I've just been thinking just like I I want to look like Jesus. Like I want people to see me have an interaction with me yes and just and see jesus like and and the opportunity and i've been praying for more of that i've been praying for the confidence and to be emboldened in that um which is part of the reason i've been watching so many testimonies of people going to hell because when i look at people now it's almost like i can see in the spirit they'll clip that too yeah that like oh they're going oh that person's that person is burning forever yeah like tell them Tell them now. Yeah. Tell them that Jesus is coming back soon. He loves them, wants a relationship with them. They need to repent and get to know him. Yeah. Tell them. Um, like just yesterday, I just had this, or the day before, I had this um, encounter with this woman at, um, my husband was buying a suit and she she's like a retail worker. She's miserable and I can just see it all over. I'm like, so sad. Um, and she, she, she says like, oh, I'm so sorry that you had to wait so long. Like so many people called out. And I just like, I just like reached out and I like put my hand in front of her and I was like, Hey, it's okay. Like, I just thank you for what you do. I know like retail work is really hard. Um, I just want you to know that God loves you. Mm. Jesus loves you. I pray that you have like a blessed rest of your day and that the peace of God will come over you. And she like welled up and she was like, thank you, honey. She's like, Oh, I, I know Jesus loves me. Like, I, I know that. Trust me. I know that. And yeah. I was like, I, I was like, I'm just going to say a prayer for you. Like I, I, I really genuinely pray that the peace of God comes over you, washes over you, and that will carry you through the rest of the shift. And like her her whole entire demeanor changed. And I thought how, and again, I'm not bragging. I'm yeah. just, I'm just explaining how I really am on a mission now to, oh, what's it say? The co the great co-mission to actually yeah. participate in that. Yeah. Um, how even like eight months ago, I would get that little nudge from the Holy Spirit. Like you should talk to this person about the Lord. Like you should pray for this person. And I would just be like, no, they'll think I'm weird. Yeah. And it's like, people are going to hell and we're like more scared that someone's going to think that we're weird. Yes. If we say, Hey, can I pray for you right now? 
you're sick. Can I pray over you? Yeah. Uh, you know, like things like that. And I just, I do not want to live like that anymore. Yeah. So I know that there are people watching this because I get messages from Christians uh, that have followed me for a while. And they'll say like, I want to be more like you, like send me voice notes, like crying. Like, I want to be more like you. I don't, I, I, I know Jesus. I love him, but I keep going back to my old ways. Like, what do I do? So what is your advice for like that person watching right now? Who is like, I, I want that. Like, how do I get there? Yeah. So one, I would say you need to be filled with the Holy spirit, which we could go into the whole talk of the Holy spirit filling is was, and is a separate event than just salvation, which a lot of times it happens at salvation. So for me, like I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, even with the evidence of speaking in tongues, the night I got saved. Some people, it doesn't happen that way. When Paul came in the book of Acts, I think it's Acts, I don't remember, Acts 10, Acts 19, one of those. He came to the church of Ephesus and said, have you received the Holy Spirit? They responded with, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We received John's baptism. And the Bible, this is what the Bible says. Paul laid his hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. If you look at the book of Acts, Jesus said, wait in the upper room until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, were the disciples saved? Yes, they'd received. And Jesus actually blew the Holy Spirit on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Yet, there was a separate feeling they were going to get for a second time in the book of Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit came upon them. That is not the moment they got saved. They had already saved. They already repented. They were following Jesus. They gave him everything. They got saved and then they received the Holy Spirit. Again, some receive it at different times. Then if you look at Cornelius's house, as Peter's preaching in Acts 10 to Cornelius, the Bible says, now Cornelius was not water baptized at the time. Peter is preaching to the first Gentile family. Mm. And the Bible says God validated, basically the message, God validated that he was now going to spread the gospel and allow the Gentiles to receive salvation, which was a foreign idea. Wait a minute. The Gentiles can get saved now. This is only for the Jews. But what did God do to validate? I'm reaching Gentiles. He poured out his Holy Spirit and they all got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then they told Peter, can we be water? Like what's stopping us from being water baptized? And then they got water baptized. So they did receive the Holy Spirit there. Did they receive it before or after? I don't know. I just know they received the Holy Spirit. Right. A lot of Christians, I do believe have gotten saved and they have the Holy Spirit. Let's say it that way. But they haven't had that baptism of the Holy Spirit experience where the power, some say the baptism, and I'm not going to get into the theology of this. And I'm just saying this is one idea people give is like, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit goes from just being in your spirit to now he also goes into your soul. And that's why you feel like you're born again and you feel like your desires change. But I do know a lot of Christians that I do believe are saved, Angela, but they haven't received that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus said, ask for the Holy Spirit. What's interesting was Jesus didn't say, ask to get salvation and you'll get the Holy Spirit with it. Jesus alludes to like, mm -hmm. There's a separate thing. And I'm again, I have a whole teaching on this. We're not going into a whole teaching tonight. I'm just giving you like glimpses of it. He said, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't like ask for salvation. It wasn't like repent. It was like, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, there's something about asking where you get the Holy Spirit. Now you have Peter that didn't have the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts, Peter gets the Holy Spirit. And now all of a sudden, Peter goes from denying Jesus to being bold and preaching. What was the difference? Well, he had the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people don't realize Jesus said you can ask for the Holy Spirit. Can you be filled with the Holy Spirit more than once? Yes. We see that when Jesus blew the Holy Spirit on the disciples. Then we see it in the book of Acts chapter 2. Then in Acts chapter 4, they got filled again with the Holy Spirit. And that's right before Acts, Acts 5 where Annas and Sapphira get filled with Satan, which is another story. But in Acts 2, they get filled. And then in Acts 4. But then the Bible says something interesting. It says, don't be filled with wine 
This is what it says, which ruins your life, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So then let's ask this. If the Bible compares being filled with the Holy Spirit to drinking wine, how often do you drink wine? And the answer, if you're like I was an alcoholic, was probably almost every day. Like people, I had a glass of wine last night. I had a glass of wine tonight. A lot of people drink wine every night with dinner, especially if you're Italian. It's like a glass of wine at dinner. So if if Paul says you can be filled with wine, you don't just drink wine. You don't drink wine one time. You don't drink uh, beer one time. If you if you drink and party, you drink it all the time. So Paul says, don't do that. Don't drink all the time. Don't drink period. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. How often can I get be filled with the Holy Spirit? All the time. I could ask for a, a baptism. I could ask for the Holy Spirit. So very important. If you want to be bold, if you want to step out in miracles, if you want to step out in faith, you need to ask for the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not that you have to cry and shake and speak. I don't believe every person just instantly speaks in tongues and cries and shakes and all that. And if that happens to you, great. I'm not a hater. Like that's great if that happens to you. Because again, the Holy Spirit sometimes transcends into our emotions and our feelings. But the idea is if you ask for something good, God says, I'm not going to give you something bad. If you ask for a piece of bread, God is not going to give you a snake. So we ask for the Holy Spirit. God gives us, and that Holy Spirit gives us the boldness. Like you see people evangelizing, or you might see me get up and preach and say, I say, how could you preach in front of thousands of people and be so bold? It's not me. I have no power. It's the Holy Spirit in me. So it's that Holy Spirit. And then you just have to do it. The more you step out in faith, the more you step out in miracles, the more you pray, the easier it becomes, the easier it is. It's like going to the gym. You know, I'm getting back into the gym next week and I know I'm going to be sore. I'm going to be in pain. I'm going to feel terrible. Like it's miserable in the beginning, but the more you get into the routine, Mm. the soreness goes away. Now you're like, Oh, I feel better. It's just Faith is like a uh, muscle. The gifts of the spirit are like a muscle. Stepping on preaching is like a muscle. You have to exercise. That's why the Bible says exercise your faith. A lot of Christians are going to the gym and the spiritual gym and watching other people work out, expecting <laughs> yeah. to get in shape. And I've used that illustration a bunch of times. You actually have to do something. You have to exercise. And it's amazing. Once you step out, it's like, man, it's easier to step out now. But I would start with those watching right now. I want, Lord, I repent of my ways. I want your Holy Spirit. Father, please fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, you said, if I ask, you will not give me something bad if I ask for something good. And some of them watching are like, I don't want to get a false Holy Spirit. I don't want to speak in demonic tongues. What if I get deceived? No, no, no. Here's the, here's what Jesus said. If you ask for something good, you will not get something bad. It is impossible, Angela, to say, Father, I want your Holy Spirit and a demon to enter into you. Why? Because right. if you ask for something good, he won't give you something bad. So we, we sit and go, Lord, I repent. I turn. Okay, now I want to ask for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John, drink of me, like rivers of living water going to flood of you, all that are thirsty. So then what do you have to be, Angela? You have to be thirsty. Mm. This is not for the religious person sitting back criticizing us tonight. We could criticize us all day long. I can criticize me. I can say, say, well, you didn't say that right. Well, he didn't give the Bible verse. It's so easy to criticize. The devil's the accuser of the brethren. The devil is the, think about that, the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that scrutinizes. He's the one that accuses and says, that's not in the Bible. That's the devil. We don't want to partner with that. This is all, this is what he says. You got to be thirsty. So this is for the thirsty. If you're not thirsty, this isn't for you. Those that thirst, this is what Jesus says, they may come to me and get living water. And then he says in like parentheses, speaking of water, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, you can drink and out of your belly. So will flow rivers of living water. So there's something about the baptism of the Holy Spirit where it flows out of us now. You sharing with that girl at the retail store, that was an outflowing of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be 
ponds or lakes, we want to be rivers, right? And a pond, it gets stagnant, it gets diseased, mosquitoes, it gets rotten, nasty. A river is flowing, it's pure, it's clean, it's movement, it's power. So out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So we have to be thirsty. We have to ask. It's not just, I hear guys all the time that are like cessationists say, well, if God wanted me to speak in tongues, it would just start happening. I would just start speaking in it. No, no, you have to ask. You have to First uh, Corinthians 12, First Corinthians 14, pursue spiritual gifts. They aren't just going to happen. You're not just, just in the same way you had to pursue your wife or husband. You have to pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You have to pursue the Holy Spirit. You have to chase after. Jesus said, you have to knock. You have to ask. You have to seek. Like you have to do something. It's not just going to fall on you and you're not just going to start speaking in tongues. So yeah, you thirst, you hunger, you ask, you pursue, you receive, you drink. I mean, there's actions to it. And then you get that Holy Spirit and you can step out. And for me, my whole life changed January 12th when I received the Holy Spirit. For me, I received it at salvation. Like when I was saved, I also was speaking in tongues, but not everybody gets immediately. And I also, I don't want to open this can of worms, but I have some teachings on this. I also don't believe in eternal security. So I don't believe salvation is a one-time event. I had a guy recently say, and he's a pastor. He said, I believe if you are a pastor and then you become a Buddhist, you're still saved. That's what he, that's what he said in his teaching. He said, because I believe once saved, always saved. So even though you're become a Buddhist, you were saved when you were a pastor and you stay saved, which to me, that's heresy. I don't believe that. But I will say a lot of people think like salvation's a one-time thing where you just get it and you can never lose it. And when in reality, the Bible says, if you call upon Jesus, if you believe you shall be saved, not that you immediately are saved, but you shall. It's a progressive. It's a, when I stand before God, because I'm living for him and I know him, I'm going to be saved. So I think there's a lot of errors in teaching on like once saved, always saved. And that would, that would take away from like, you can be cut off the branches and you can fall from grace. Like if you're once saved, always saved, how would you fall from grace? And the Bible also talks about what some have tasted of the goodness of God, but they've gone back. Paul says that there was people that were with him that are no longer with him. He turned him over to Satan. The book of revelation says you can be blotted out or he says, I will not blot you out of the book of life, which means you can be blotted out of the book of life. So I think, yeah, you have that whole greasy grace of like, yeah, once you get salvation, there's nothing you can do to lose it. But I think this is about being in relationship. Everything about the gospel is relational. So we want to be in relationship. We want to follow God, but that Holy Spirit is what gives us that power to walk in his commands. And on the point of once saved, always saved, because the biggest, um, back like clap back to that is the verse like sealed with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So what's your response to that? Yeah. I think we are still with the Holy Spirit. I think we are right now sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. If we obey him, if we walk with him, if we're obedient to him all throughout, I just did this thing where I went through the entire Bible in 60 minutes. So I did like a minute on each book. And as I was preparing Angela, because it takes me way longer to prepare than actually stream. I was just like, I, I felt like a broken record because every book I was studying It was the same story. The children of Israel went in disobedience. God cut them off from the promise. They went over to foreign nations. They were in bondage to the the Egyptians and then God delivered them. It it was like over and over. Every book was about them being in rebellion. God saying, I'm removing my blessing from you. I'm removing my spirit from you. I'm removing my promise from you. Then they would go to a bondage. Then they would get so tired of being in bondage. You'd cry out to God, book of Judges. God would raise up deliverer and then they would serve God again. It was this cycle of nonstop going back and forth. So I think if we're serving God in love with God in relationship, we're sealed. The devil cannot take you out of the hand of God. There's nothing he can do to get you away. But can you forfeit? Can you give away the gift of salvation? Yes. And they might say, well, 
Well, this is like, I think they think they think it's the strongest argument. Like, how could you be a son of God and then no longer be a son of God? And this is very easy to debunk. John chapter one, the Bible says he gives us right to become children of God, children not born of human decision, husband's will or natural descent, but born of the spirit. So being a child of God is a right. It's a privilege. Right. Just like having a driver's license is a privilege. It's a what, what does the state do if you drive bad? They revoke your privilege. Hey, that was a privilege. I'm taking it from you. So yes, God says, I'm going to give you the right to become my daughter, Angela. But if you live like the devil, John says, you are no longer a child of God. And if you're mad about this watching, go read first John. He says, you are a child of the devil. Jesus told the Pharisees, you claim to be children of God, but you're just like your father, the devil. Matthew 23, he rebukes him saying they're children of the devil. So yeah, if you're a child of God, if you're serving God, if you're in love with God, if you're relationship, you're obedient, you're a child of God. You've given, he's given you that right, you're a child. But if you turn from him and serve idols and live wicked, he turns you back over to your sin. Romans one says to a reprobate mind and you no longer can call yourself a child of God. And again, people that are fight this, they don't read John where John says, if you keep on sinning, you're just like your father, the devil, who's been sinning since the beginning. So it's like, oh, where's that in the American church? Where's that in the greasy grace? Like it's it's a real thing. And I think we are sealed 100% if we're serving God, if we have a relationship with God. But if we turn from him, I mean, how are you going to turn from God and think, oh, he's still going to, you know, he's still going to just yeah. allow me to do whatever I, I want. I was having um, a conversation because I did fall into once saved, always saved yeah. after I was, I initially came to the Lord. And I think a lot of that came from, um, cause in the new age, it's like work, 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 work. Like I have to wake up at this time every day and I have to do my yoga practice from this time to this time. And I have to make sure that I have these crystals there and then I have to pull this card and then I have to journal for 45 minutes and then I have to do a meditation. And then I have to make sure that I charge my water with crystals, which is something I actually did. And then I have to do this and then I have to do that. And then I have to make sure that I'm all prepared for the new moon ceremony. And then I have to write down my manifestations and then I have to release at the full moon. And it's like work, 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 work. So then like, as soon as like, I came to Jesus it was like I had the rest of the Lord but then it was like I I fell like I mentioned that pendulum like too far yeah off of actually the narrow road into like what wasn't biblical which was just like well I don't have to do anything ever again because I am saved yes great um but I was having this uh this conversation with a dear sister in Christ and we're sitting there and we have a water bottle and I'm like well what do you say when they say sealed and she like holds up the water bottle and she's like sealed unsealed yeah and i was like illustration. i was like wow i was yeah. like it was like a youth pastoring like yeah just, yeah yeah just completely like i was like that's so good like yeah. it's true it's like sealed unsealed like it's just like we and i think this is something else that like kind of makes people anxious to talk about is that there's like there's a there's a choice yeah like that comes on our end but like when you look in the gospel like jesus always says like your faith has made you whole. Yes. Like he could he could easily just be like, you're welcome, I'm the son of God, repent, be mine. Yeah. But he says, your faith has made you whole. So that like tells us, and it's all throughout the gospel, throughout all of scripture, that like there is like a contingency on your faith. So if you stray from your faith and also faith without works is dead. So there is, faith is not just like an intellectual belief. It's also manifested through our actions. So just like love, right? Yeah. Like you, you can love someone, but if you're like out cheating on them, how is that love manifested through your actions? It's yeah. not. And so faith is the same way. So it's like, if you act out of faith, then 
if your faith makes you whole, then your lack of faith can then make you broken. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that one thing we don't realize is the devil and God both recognize and honor human will and decision. So we have to be like, okay, I'm not a robot. God honors my free will. And so if I choose to not serve God, if I choose to not sow, if I choose, I'm not going to reap. Like a farmer doesn't stand in front of an empty field, shake his fist and say, why aren't you growing? Because he knows I didn't plant anything. And a lot of Christians are not planting anything, shaking their fists in front of an empty field and getting mad that God's not growing it when I'm like, you're not praying, you're not reading, you're not doing anything for God. And then we have the word work, which is like a cuss word to a lot of people. All you have to do is fast forward to the book of Revelation where the Bible says we are judged on our works, what we did in this life. So we're not judged based on whether we're going to get to heaven or not, but we are going to be judged on when it comes to works, we're going to be judged on what our reward in heaven is. And some will have no reward. The Bible says, be careful that someone doesn't take your crown or steal your crown from you. So some people will get to heaven, have been lazy their whole life, still make it. And Paul even says, barely, barely escaping the flames. They're going to make it, but they're going to watch someone else wearing their crown, knowing Mm. that person did what I was called to do. And that's a terrible thing to think about that someone can take your crown, take your reward. So we're not here arguing like you have to have works to be saved. Absolutely not. Works aren't the way you get saved. They're evidence you've been saved. They're the evidence of our salvation. They're not the reason we get, we gain our salvation. So we absolutely don't preach a works-based gospel. 100% it's by faith. It's by the grace of God. It's only by his grace. It's only through faith that we are saved. 100%, not of works or of ourselves. But now that we're saved, the Bible says to prove you're among those God has called and chosen. That we need to have, Paul says, show evidence. He says, prove that you're among those that God has called and chosen. So we need to have evidence in our life. Um, John the Baptist said, don't just say you've repented, show by the way that you live. And Jesus said the same thing. He said, don't just say you love me, obey my commandments. So this idea that like, we're just gonna say we're Christian or we're just gonna have no works or no evidence and we're just saved by faith or by grace. I think... It's a slippery slope if there's no evidence in your life. Like everybody should know you're a Christian. We should be able to see how could you live like Christ and no one around you know no one around you knows it. And it goes back to the healing, the deliverance. Like all of our family sick, all of our family in bondage, all of our family suicidal thoughts, anger, bitterness, resentment, envy, cutting themselves, everything you can think of. And we're Christians and we never pray for them. Like we never and this I even think sometimes all the guys that I, that criticize me, which there's a lot, there's a good amount of them on YouTube that are, you know, more of the cessationists or the once saved, always saved or whatever the, I call them the heresy hunters. They're always attacking everybody for their beliefs. It's not just me. It's everybody that doesn't believe the way they believe. This is one thing they all have in common. I'm just going to say, it. I've said it before and I've, I don't care what they think about it. I never see them pray on their live stream. They never pray. Like there's three or four guys that are the biggest guys that criticize me and they're not very big. They get like, you know, 4,000 views a video, but I'm just saying they're the biggest like in that world. None of them. I've never seen pray on live. I've never seen them witness to anybody. I've never seen them say, Hey guys, we're going to pray for you right now. So in my mind, I'm like, how are you so biblically head knowledge but you don't even step out and actually apply these things. And I think we have to get to a place where it's like, hey, I'm actually going to pray for you. Like I'm supposed to be like Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5. I'm his ambassador. You're sick. You're demonized. So I'm going to pray for you that that demon comes out or that you get healed in your body or that whatever happens, happens. And it's crazy that we have so much hypocrisy and attacking each other when I'm like, dude, you don't even step out. You don't even pray for people. And again, I don't want to be all defensive, but I just think, There's a lack of spirituality in the church right now, a lack of boldness and praise the Lord. You know, 
they always cry and about it and say, oh, the charismatic church is the fastest growing church. And I always hear cessationists say like, the charismatic movement's the fastest growing movement and cessationism's dying and they cry about it. And I'm like, yeah, you want to know why? People are tired of hearing about what God isn't doing anymore. Like, why would you want to go to church on Sunday and the pastor get up and say, today we're going to talk about what God isn't doing anymore. Or they'll get up and preach on like, the book of Acts, and they'll say, oh yeah, this doesn't happen anymore. I'm like, how boring is that? You just read all of these stories to me. At the end of all the stories, you said, oh, that can't happen in your life anymore. So it's a very, very dull, boring, religious, cold type of doctrine where it's like, there's no action, there's no movement, there's no works, there's no Holy Spirit. And they'll say, well, God can't heal if he wants to heal, and they'll just leave it up to the sovereignty of God. But we know that God ties his sovereignty into the working of humans. God doesn't force us. In God's sovereignty, God says, I want to work with you. I am not going to force you, Angela, to evangelize. I'm not going to force you to pray for anybody. I'm going to work with your human will in my sovereignty, and I'm going to use you to fulfill my purpose. So I think, yeah, we've used the sovereignty of God of like, if God wants to heal, he will heal. The, the caveat is God works through people. That's always how he yeah. works all throughout humanity and all throughout the New Testament. And even more because now the Holy Spirit's in them and it's all about the acts of the, the apostles. And so, yeah, I would say, man, we got to, we just got to keep going for it and doing what we're doing. Right. And then to that, they will say, oh, you just called the work of the cross boring. Yeah. But again, it's like back to the point you made at the beginning. It's, it's because, because of, of the, the cross. cross. It's not in spite of the cross. It's because of the cross. Right. We're doing this because of what Jesus did. The work he did on the cross give gave him and gives us the power over sickness, over disease, over unclean spirits. And again, it goes back to Matthew 8 where he says, these things fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. He did these things, cast out demons and healed the sick. Matthew, I think it's Matthew 8, 16, but don't quote me, but it says he did these things to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah that he is the, he is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So these things prove that he was the Messiah. Um, again, John 10, 38 he said, don't believe me to believe the miracles. John 14, 12, the same works I've done. You shall also do Mark 16, 17. These signs shall follow them that believe uh, Luke, Matthew 10, Luke 10. If you look at deliverance, like Mark 1, Mark 3, Mark 5, Mark 8. Uh, Mark 9, all of these stories of deliverances and miracles and supernatural and the power of God and the idea that it's not happening anymore. Uh, I don't want to be malicious towards guys no. that teach that. It's just sad because you're taught, you're telling God you can't do this anymore. You know, no. I do believe it's a, it's a demonic doctrine. How are you going to tell the Holy Spirit you can't do this anymore. You're not, you're telling God you're not doing this anymore. And the bottom line is there's no scripture. There's no argument. My chat's always like, when are you going to debate the cessationists? In my mind, what am I going to debate them over? Okay, let's debate. I'll get my scriptures out. Pick where you want me to start. You get your scriptures out. Where, where are you going to start? You have none. And even Dr. Brown, I asked him like, hey, what's the best argument for cessationism? Like, give me their side of the story. And he literally said, there's no, there's no good argument. He's like, I want to give you a good argument, but there's none. It's just an antichrist message. And the word antichrist means to go against Christ. It goes against what Christ taught of that. God isn't working in these ways through people any longer. Then it's like, oh, so there's no more demons where they all go. They were around back then. Now there's no demons. And then they say, well, Beyonce is demonic, which I think she is, by the way, just to make that clear. Taylor Swift's demonic, which I think she is. And the devil's working. They'll say this, the devil's working and they'll talk about, you know, cults and about demonic things, which I do too. I love exposing the cults and saying how demonic all these people that Christians listen to are. So they go, yeah, the devil works through people. And they fully agree with me and you on that. Like, yeah, we love your content on, uh, you know, calling out all these celebrities but God doesn't work through people. So the devil gets to work through people. Like I'm so confused. The devil gets to work through people, but God can't work through people anymore. And I'm like, 
I just feel like that's a checkmate. Like, how are you going to say the devil could work through Beyonce, but don't think that God can work through, you know, God's miracle power could work through Isaiah or Angela or whoever else. So um, I would say them saying we have a damaging doctrine is is an oxymoron. That was, uh, that was one of the things that kind of like got me over the fence of cessationism to just like what I call pre-denominational. Like, I hate when people lump me into these categories that I've never yeah. even heard of. They're like, you're an NIR. I'm like, what's that? Yeah. And then they're like, oh, I'm still trying to figure out what the NAR. I'm a leader in it. I'm a leader in the NAR. Is it NAR? NRA? NAR. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's it's a NAR. I'm the I'm one of the main arch apostles, bishops, leaders, evangelists for it. Yet I still don't know what it is. But that's what I mean. Dr. Brown said he's a leader too, but he's just like just get lumped into all these different things. Like I've never even heard of. Yeah. And like. That being said, like if someone watching was a part of that and was hurt from it, I'm very sorry. And like my, the Holy Spirit and my heart both grieve for you on that. But I'd like to tell people now, like when people are like, what, well, what do you identify? Like, it's like, like transgender almost like what, what's your, what do you identify as in Christian? I'm like pre-denominational. I just, the Bible. Yeah. Just Jesus. That's why I'm not, I would just say I don't care. Like, I don't care about all that. But anyway, it's like, um, and yeah. I think there's been abuses in what you're saying. And some of some of the criticism is valid. And I agree with some of it. There's been abuses in the charismatic Amen. movement. And if you get to know me, if you get to know you, if you get to know any of us guys, we are teach Orthodox Christianity. We are all about the word, all about prayer, all about holiness. And these extremes people see to throw the baby out with the bathwater is just unfair that they project those. Some people have made it their life mission to misunderstand you. So no matter what you try to say, no matter I'm blue in the face, explaining myself, could a Christian have a demon? I've taught that 45 times, no matter what, they're still going to go back to the same thing because they've made it their life's goal and mission to misunderstand and to mislabel and to criticize. It's like if you have a guy on the piano playing Beethoven, right? And he's playing it terrible. Like he's trying, but he sounds terrible. You don't listen to the guy playing it bad and say Beethoven's trash. Like he's a terrible. Why? Because the guy playing Beethoven doesn't represent Beethoven. He's just a poor representation of the song. In the same way, Christians that abuse the gifts, Christians that abuse prophecy, which they are there, Christians that abuse deliverance, they they don't represent us. They don't represent the true just because that they, they're playing it bad. I'm like, we're we're just because one of us messes up or a guy falls off or whatever doesn't mean it's all bad. A lot of pastors fall. Does that mean Jesus isn't true or Jesus isn't right? And you know, there's um a recent person that's been making videos and posting things and her whole like story is like I was a false prophet and I was hurt and I was involved in all of these like cultish like practices in the NRA. And in my mind, it's like, don't blame us for that. Just because you were hurt or you were a false prophet or you were involved in these false movements. Like how does that have to do with that? We're false just because you were a part of something false. And that happens all the time is people come out of the hyper charismatic movement, which we are not hyper charismatic. They come out of that, which I don't even, what I don't, even, mean? I don't <laughs> even know. I don't even like using the word cause I think no. it's just stupid, yeah. but they come out of what they would call the hyper charismatic movement. And they just label all of us as crazy. And I'm like, dude, I literally do verse by verse. Like I'm doing the entire new Testament verse by verse on live stream. How much more expository do you want me to get? Like all of our stuff. I did a stream last night and gave 40, I had 45 verses written down yet. They're still like, Oh, you know, Isaiah doesn't preach the Bible and he talks too fast. So it's just really weird. There's a lot of double standards and they see the abuse, which we see the abuse and we call it the abuse. We're like, this is wrong. There's a guy, um, Andrew Tate. So he's like this popular guy on social media. I made a video about a transgender pastor. And in my video, I said, 
this is wrong because it was like a green screen. So I'm like, he was above me that, well, he or she, whatever they were, were above me. And I was like, this is wrong. This is fake. This is not Christianity. Andrew Tate downloaded my video that I posted, posted it on his social media platform and said, this is why I'm no longer Christian and why I serve Allah and why I'm Muslim. And in my mind, I'm like, what a hypocrite, dude. I'm, I'm literally calling out this guy and you're saying you don't want to be a Christian because what I'm calling out. And so, and he wasn't saying he doesn't want to be a Christian because of me. He was saying because of what I was calling out, like this is what Christians do. So yes, there's abuses. There's trans pastors. So do we say, okay, there's trans pastors. That means pastors are not biblical. We don't want to be the fivefold ministry. And it's just so cringe to me how we lump everybody up together when one thing we're trying to do is bring health to the charismatic movement. Because if you believe in the spiritual gifts, which me and you do, then we are part of the charismata, the grace gifts, the first Corinthians 12. We don't have to label ourselves as charismatic, but by definition, we would be charismatic because we believe in the grace gifts. We would be Pentecostal because we believe in speaking in tongues and the spiritual, but we identify, or I do at least, and I know you do probably, is non-denominational. Like Mm -hmm. we're not in one box. We're not in one denomination. I just believe all of the Bible. I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I'm not confused about it. Like I don't read the Bible and go, I'm confused as hell now as hell later. I'm confused as this. I'm not confused. I read and I just believe it and I pray and go, okay, Lord, it's plain to me. You know, you couldn't do it back then. Now you can do it. Jesus told Peter, nothing is unclean anymore. You can go in and eat the bacon. Like it's, it's no big deal, whatever. I, I'm, there's so much confusion. And I think once you go through deliverance, <laughs> let me just say it this way. A lot of that confusion breaks off of you. Cause I noticed for me, once I went through me. deliverance, I was like, I'm not confused about this. Like this is this and this is that. But I think there's a lot of confusion yeah, in the I, body. Right before my deliverance, I was like pushing my Bible off the bed because I like a lot of my theology was being challenged at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, that I had kind of started to like grow up in and then it was being challenged by the word. So I'm like getting confused and literally like pushed my Bible off my bed. I was like, I don't understand Lord. And then after deliverance like that just went away. Yeah. And I'm not crediting that. This is like a big thing. I'm not crediting that to any man or woman who prayed deliverance over me. I'm crediting that crediting that to Jesus yes, because he is not the author of confusion that could only have come from him. And so that's like another thing, like test the fruit. Like what's the fruit of a deliverance that you say isn't biblical? Yeah, It's like, no, like walking in holiness, no longer confused, like radically on fire for the Lord. Like how was that evidence of being demonic in the slightest form? Yeah. And that's why the Bible says Satan can't cast out Satan. A kingdom right. divided won't stand. I mean, when it comes to deliverance, there's a story that makes it explicitly clear whether we should be doing deliverance or not. And the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Hey Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing, there's these guys over here. They're not even part of your ministry. They don't even follow you. And they're casting out demons. Like surely you want us to shut them down. And that's, and that's what a lot of these religious people were talking about. They want to shut us down. Surely we should shut these guys down because they're not part of our denomination. They don't have the same orthodoxy as us. They don't, they didn't go to the same Bible college and they didn't go to the university we went to. Jesus says, don't stop them. But then he says this, Angela, no one that does a miracle, which now he's tying casting on demons to a miracle. He says, no one that does a miracle in my name will then speak bad about me. So what should we do about people doing deliverance? What should we do about these crazy people casting out demons, this deliverance movement, which is not a movement, it's just biblical. What do we do about this? 
You do nothing. You don't stop them because they're doing miracles in the name of God. People are getting healed and saved and marriages are restoring. And I had a guy come up to me not long ago, scars all over his hands, fingers missing. He was so demonized, so addicted on meth and everything that his wife and daughter came with him to a service and said, my husband has been through every therapist, every rehab you can think of. He was literally cutting his fingers off because demons were telling him to cut his fingers off. And he had the worst cuts you can imagine all over his arms and hands. He said, Isaiah, I watched your video. I found someone in your deliverance map. I got delivered. I got a new job. I've been sober for the first time in 40 something years. I'm not on meth. I'm now loving my wife, loving my daughter. This guy's entire life has changed. He went from being the demon, the demoniac at the tombs, literally had missing fingers, Angela, missing fingers in the flesh to now having a solid job, a loving husband, no drinking, no meth, no nothing. That's the devil that did that. The devil did that to him, got him free like that. No, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to key on what you mentioned. It's not us doing it. We don't come. You'll never find one video or deliverance of me saying, in Isaiah's name, come out. In Angela's name, come out. We are coming in Jesus' name as representatives of Jesus. In deliverance, oftentimes demons will say, I'm Satan. And I always was perplexed by this. I'm like, that's not Satan. There's no way you're over here in, you know, Manteca, Tracy, or Stockton, California. The devil ain't over here where I'm at. I'm not that important, right? So I was confused by why do demons keep saying, I'm Satan, you can't cast me out. But then God said, Isaiah, it's in the same way you come in the name of Jesus, they come in the name of Satan. Mm-hmm. So they're not, it's not literally Satan when you're casting them out. It's a representative of Satan. So I come not in my power, not in my strength. I come in Jesus' name. And when I take that name in the name that is above every name, the Bible says that God the Father gave Jesus the name exalted above every name that is the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. When you come in that name, you take on his authority. So if right now I went to the intersection out in the corner and I started waving my hands and trying to direct traffic, I would get hit by a car. No one would listen to me. They would blow right past me. But if I went to my good friend who's a police officer on the SWAT team, put his uniform on, put his badge on, put his hat on, got his lights, went out in the middle of the intersection, every car would stop. A car that weighs 4,000 pounds, Angela, that was about to run me over 20 minutes ago, is now stopping. Why? Because now I'm not coming under my authority. I'm coming under the authority of the sheriff's department. And it's under that authority I can represent. When a cop gets stripped of his badge, he loses his power. He doesn't get to arrest people. He no longer is allowed to carry a gun around. All of his authority is in the badge and in the gun. And we've been given power, which is the gun, and authority, which is the badge in Jesus' name. So we come in his power, his authority. I start with the authority. I'm like, hey, in Jesus' name, come out. And if the demon doesn't come out, I'm like, we're going to pull out the power now, the the gun, right? And then we're going to pray. We're going to ask whatever its name is, whatever strategy we're going to use to get the demon out. But yeah, in deliverance, it's solely all glory goes to Jesus. What happens after deliverance, Angela? Everybody goes, thank you, Jesus. Never. I've done a thousand deliverances and I've never, ever had someone say, thank you so much and worship me and praise me. They always say, thank you, Jesus. The moment the demon leaves, the room gets lighter and everyone goes, thank you, Jesus. Everyone cries. We praise you, Lord. And then after we're out to eat. It's like, hey, thanks for praying for me, bro. But they know it wasn't me. They know the moment it happened, the glory. No one no one gets done with deliverance and goes, thank you, Satan, so much. Thank you, New Age. Thank you, Kundalini. It's never happened ever. Like no glory goes to Satan. We are actually destroying Satan's kingdom in deliverance. Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, surely you know the kingdom of God has come upon you. So the deliverance 
casting out demons or exorcism or deliverance all could be used interchangeably is the arrival of God's kingdom, according to Jesus. If you get mad at that, go talk to Jesus about it. And it's a tearing away of one kingdom, a demolishing of Satan's kingdom and an establishing of God's kingdom. So I, I wonder like, if you hate casting out demons, it's because you need deliverance. Like, why do you hate it? It's so amazing and beautiful. And it's it's incredible to see Satan's kingdom get destroyed. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is we're at a, we're in war. Paul said, you are a soldier. There's never been a soldier before that doesn't have an enemy. Our enemy is the devil. He's the roaring lion. He's the prince of the power of the air. Revelation calls him the ruler of this world. At the end of the day, in the world we're living in right now, the devil, this is what the Bible says. Jesus said it. Jesus said, that's the ruler of this world. Jesus even said, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. So Jesus identifies the devil as the ruler of this world. And it's easy to see this by just going and looking at the richest people in the world. They're all Mm. demonic. All the celebrities that are richest, I think Taylor Swift did a billion dollars in her tour. Every famous rich, 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 powerful is of the devil because the devil is the ruler of this world. There's no Christian billionaire that's out evangelizing. There's no head guy in music that's a Christian. It's it's all usually the devil's people, the devil. And even the Christians that are like topping the charts right now, they curse and drink and party. I'm like, they're not real Christians. They're fake representatives. But yeah, um, deliverance is all glory to Jesus. It's a Jesus glorifying ministry. It's not even, and let me also say this. There's no such thing as deliverance ministry in the Bible. Like, I don't see deliverance ministry in the Bible. Ding, ding. There is none. It's just the ministry of Jesus. We've just, we just call it deliverance ministry because it's easy to refer to it as casting of demons. But at the end of the day, it's Jesus's ministry. Like, do you, are you a deliverance minister? No. What do you mean? I will never call myself a deliverance minister. In fact, I cringe when people say you're a deliverance minister. I'm like, no, I'm just a Christian that does what Jesus did. I'm a disciple and I cast out demons. I heal the sick. I preach. You can call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. You know, I'm like, I don't care what you call me. It's just, I think it's just a little cringe because deliverance ministry doesn't exist. It's Jesus's yeah. ministry and it's what he did everywhere. Yeah. And you can't deny that. You And you can't say like, well, no, that's not true because you know, it's true. When you read the gospels, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's everywhere. Yeah. And then I, I, I didn't even like mean to talk about it like this, but it's like people are always like, oh, it's like they're all obsessed with it. They're obsessed with it. But from from my vantage point, what I see is that it's not actually that we're obsessed with it. It's that the people that are against it are obsessed with it. Yeah. So the reason it needs to be, quote, defended, not that Jesus needs to be defended, but is because there's so much backlash on it. Yeah. Because the people that are against it are very against it and have to just like shout it from every rooftop available instead of preaching, you know, repent, be saved. It's like, don't do this. So that's like why it needs to be talked about so much. Yeah. And it's not, and it's not happening in the body of Christ. There's a deficiency. So like if you go to the doctor and they say, oh, you're deficient on vitamin A, you got a lot of vitamin B, a lot of vitamin C, a lot of vitamin D, but you're very deficient. I think we need to get you a vitamin A supplement. Why? Because there's a deficiency. The reason why we're emphasizing on it so much is because there's a deficiency in the body and the body the body needs it. The mm. body needs deliverance. The church needs freedom. I talk to people all the time in the church that are struggling with the same things that the world struggles with. I'm just tired, Angela, of my pastor friends taking their life. I'm just tired of my pastor friends. I have thoughts of suicide. How? Why? You think that's God's will? No, that's not God. I'm tired of my pastor friends committing adultery. I'm tired of seeing them fall into this and fall into that and the devil win. And so it's time to raise a standard. It's the reason why it's so popular is because it's so biblical. The idea, it's like the tall poppy syndrome. Like if you're popular or famous or well-known, you must be false. We're going to cut you down. It's the syndrome of it can't be God if there's so many people doing it. But it's like, no, people are hungry for this. People are tired of this water dome. 
is do you ever stop and think like maybe you only have 200 views or 30 people in your live stream and you're mad for years why do i only have 15 people watching do you ever stop and think about it maybe nobody wants to hear about how god isn't moving like i don't think people realize that like it's not wrong to be popular jesus was the most famous person in the world at the time and so the 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 key to being popular or famous is making sure the light shining on you isn't greater than the light shining out of you. So I don't think there's anything wrong with being well-known. I want you to have 10 million followers. Like I would celebrate with you if you hit 10 million subscribers. Why would I not want your channel, Heaven and Healing Podcast, to not reach a million people? Why would I be mad if you had 10 million followers and you're preaching the truth? This idea that if you're big or famous or a Christian and you have a lot of followers, you must be false is wrong. Jesus had thousands following him. The disciples had thousands following them. The key is don't let people worship you. Don't let people praise you. Don't let people exalt you. I'm preaching tomorrow night. There's going to be 7,000 plus people there at the event. At the end, end of the service, undoubtedly, I will say, it's not about Isaiah. Don't grab onto the hem of my long sleeve. Don't come ask me and line up for prayer. Don't come surround me. Let me pray. Let me do my thing. There's a prayer team here. It's not about me. And you know what I'll do after preaching? I will get on my knees. I'll be the first one to repent. I'll be the first one to respond to the altar. I'll be the first one to say, hey, I want freedom. If there's anything in me, Lord, cleanse me. Search my heart the way David prayed. So I have no I have no right. pride to salvage. Like this is not about a man or a ministry. But at the end of the day, like we're reaching souls. I want to reach as many people I pray that I have 10 million people that would be saved and delivered and healed. And, um, our, go to my page, go to your page. Our ministries are not about us. They're all about God. I rarely post anything about my family, anything about what I'm doing rarely. Cause I want to make sure my pages are not mine. They're the Holy spirits. I want to make sure my ministry is not about me. It's about God. So it's not vain. If, if my ministry and page was about me, and I'm here bragging, oh, we reached 300 million people. That's vain. No one cares, dude, about how many people you are on your social media. But because my ministry is about Christ, I'll boast in him. It's not about me. It's all about preaching the gospel. So yeah, I think we want to reach as many people as possible. And I think a lot of people think, well, if you're popular, famous, you can't be godly. You must have sold out, you know, to the Illuminati or some weird stuff. But I'm praying that this type of ministry would grow even more and the ministries that are cutting down and toxic and vile would continue to shrink the way they are. It's inevitable. The cream will rise to the top. And if it's of God, like Gamil said in the book of Acts, if you're, if these people are of God, you're fine. You're going to find yourself fighting God. Let's not stop them. Let them do their thing. And let's see at the end who's yeah. right and who's wrong. And I think, you know, um, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, like a lot of the criticism that is like, well, it's, it's mostly on, it's like mostly contingent on a Christian can't, 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 can't have a demon. You yeah. can't have a demon. You can't have a demon, but it's like, well, we, we can sin. Yeah. And so, um, there's a connection there. I don't, it's not like to an extent, I will say that that discernment flag that they have going off, like a Christian can't have a demon to a point is correct because, but, but where, where they're getting it confused is that it's not that a Christian can't have a demon. It's that you should not have yeah, one. Yeah. And a, a large part of that is contingent on sin because you open doors. And so it's like, people often will say, Oh, like people that believe in deliverance or whatever deliverance ministry. I hate that term too. It's like, they don't want to preach about, about your sin. They just want to blame everything on a demon. It's like, actually it's the opposite because we spent the first half of this podcast yeah. talking about the importance of holiness. walking in holiness yes. and turning away from sin. Absolutely. Like the two are, they, they have a connection there yeah. because it says in the scripture that you cannot 
partake from the cup of demons and partake from the cup of the Lord. And it's not like you, you physically can't do that. Yeah. It's that you shouldn't do that yeah. because there are consequences to that. Yeah. Because if you're, if you are actively participating in living in sin, willing yourself over to sin, you're not renewing your mind with the word of God. You're not being disciplined in the word of God. You're not walking like Jesus walking in holiness have the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. If yeah. you're not producing thoughts that and producing a lifestyle that is the mind of Christ, then what are you doing by default? Because the Bible does not give like a cup of demons, cup of the Lord, and then the cup of neutrality. It's yeah. one or the other. Yeah, so if absolutely. you're drinking out of the cup of demons, you're ingesting that. Yeah. So if you're sinning, you're literally ingesting that. Yeah. And it's not that there. It's not that there's like, oh, all glory to demons. It's all about demons. It, they don't want to talk about sin. It's like, no, stay as far away from sin as you possibly yes. can, because it grieves the Lord, because it it affects your relationship with Him, and because you're drinking from the cup of demons. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Sin is for sure an open door to demonic spirits. I was just talking to a guy yesterday or the day before and he's like, Christians can't have demons. I'm like, Oh, so what happens when a Christian watches pornography? Do you, if you ever struggle? Oh yeah. Well, you know, I struggle with porn. I'm like, okay. So what happens when you watch porn? It doesn't open a door because you're a Christian just because you're a Christian doesn't give you a license and a protection. Like you don't get an invisible barrier over you to do whatever you want. And, and if deliverance wasn't for Christians or if deliverance was only for the unbeliever in Acts 8 I go back to this in Acts 20 or 21 Philip is called an evangelist the only named evangelist in all of scripture so there's only one guy in all of scripture that's named Philip the evangelist in Acts 8 we see the biblical model for evangelism the Bible says he preached that he did his word he cast out demons and healed those that were sick my question to Philip would be Philip if if Christians can't have demons, why are you doing deliverance? Our goal would be, Angela, just get people saved and the demons automatically go. The problem with that is there's no verse that says the moment you get saved, every demon leaves you. That would completely negate the message of go cast out demons. Like, why is Jesus telling us to go cast out demons if the moment people get saved, the demons leave? Because you, you can't be a Christian and have a demon, right? So then all the demons must go the moment I'm saved, which is just not the case. And then again, go back to Genesis to Revelation. Show me in scripture where God says, go ahead and be disobedient. I got your back. Like, show me that. Show me one place where God says, go ahead and watch porn. Go ahead and drink. Go ahead and party. Go ahead and do all your nasty stuff you do and drink and party and do drugs and whatever else you want to do. Cheat on your wife. Cheat on everything. Go do that. And I'm just going to protect you. I got your back. No demons will enter. I'm just going to stand in front of your spiritual house, which is Matthew 12, what we are. I'm going to stand there and protect you. It's not. God says, this is all Deuteronomy. I think it's 28. talks about all these curses. There's all these curses where God says, if you do this, you will be cursed. If you do this, you will be blessed. And then one verse, I forget exactly where it's at. It's in Deuteronomy. God says, choose this today, blessings or curses. He says, I've set before you blessings and curses. You can choose to be cursed if you do these things, or you can choose to be blessed if you do these things. So it's still the same today. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says, now we're in the new covenant. There's no blessings and no curses. There's still curses and there's still blessings. If you live a life of sin and compromise, keep playing games, keep messing around. Well, Christians can't have demons. Watch and find out. Literally watch and find out. Cause the same people that say that call me and go, dude, I don't know what's going on with me. I'm having thoughts. I'm having this. I'm having, I had a guy who is a pastor in my area, go to a friend of mine, who's a pastor at my church and say, Oh yeah, Isaiah's real passionate and cute. I really like his stuff, but I don't believe Christians can have demons. All mad, right? Then goes on to confess to my pastor friend about how he struggled with pornography and this and all the marriage stuff he has, right? So he's confessing all these sins to my friend in the same ver in the same 
conversation going, I don't believe Christians can have demons. And the reason why I don't like Isaiah, cause he teaches that. So my buddy says, Hey bro, can we, let's go pray in the back room for you because you've been having all these issues. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, what do you think happens? He starts praying and Hey, I bind the spirit of lust. I bind it. And the dude's growling, screaming. And two hours later, he's like, Oh man, Isaiah was right. You know? So it's like, watch and find out. You don't believe it. That's fine. Live in bondage. I don't care. I, I don't get any money from convincing you. I don't give any clout followers. I could care less whether you believe Christians can or can't have demons. I don't care if you believe they're in you, on you, on your toe, on your ankle. It doesn't matter to me. All I know is I want to be free. I want to see others free. So you can call whatever you want, but um, you can stay in bondage too. I, I don't care. You know, I just know what I know. I've seen what I've seen. I don't even have to believe it. I know it. Like I could believe that that you know, LED sign, that neon sign works and it could be off right now. I could go, oh, I believe it works. Angela, the moment you turn that sign on and it goes from being off to on, I no longer have to believe the sign works. I now know it works. So you say, Isaiah, do you believe that sign works? No, I don't believe it works. I know it works because I've seen it turn on. So a lot of people that have never seen deliverance, like, well, I don't know. I do know. I know it's real. I know Christians can. So I don't have to believe. Do you believe a Christian can have a demon? No, I don't believe it. I know it. I've seen it over and over again. I can see it in scripture in Acts 5. I can see where Ananias and Sapphira got it, you know, got de the devil filled them. Um, yeah. I just, I don't have to even be convinced anymore. I know we're going to have to still have this debate and this conversation. I still make videos about it. We still defend it with scripture, but over and over again, the Bible says like, resist the devil, fight the devil. He's your enemy. And the idea that you could be a Christian and go live however you want and God will protect you is just like, I just don't see it anywhere in scripture. Yeah. It just doesn't seem congruent to scripture. And as we started to wrap up, I wanted to bring up that point you made earlier about like, oh, sometimes you want to just like fit in with people. And like, I've had that thought where I'll like send someone my podcast and then I'm like, oh, they're going to see the episode I did on Taylor Swift and like I pray a deliverance prayer. Yeah. Oh, they're going to see the episode I just released on deliverance. Or, or they're going to see this episode I did with Isaiah. I'm like, oh, maybe this person might not invite me on. I might not ever get into this circle. I might not blah, 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 blah. And like all these like this, like the devil just like trying yeah. to lie to me. Um, but something that I, I wanted to like just really like press into the audience because it's something that I have struggled with in the past, but that angel is dead. Um, you know, it's like this, this like approval of man. And the yeah. Bible says like, who are you living for? Like the, the, to please man or please the Lord. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I really don't care like who I fit in with. I don't care who likes me, who doesn't like me as long as the one yes. loves me, as long as Jesus loves me and approves of me. Like that's all that I need. And so I like, I want to encourage people because this is a mistake that I made yes. the first year was wanting to fit in with people. And so it was like, I was getting all of my theology from YouTube. Yep. And like, I say that as someone with a podcast yeah. who likes to fellowship and have these conversations and expose the darkness and talk about the love of God and who Jesus is, that he is the way, the truth and the life. Like I say that as someone with this platform, Please do not get all of your theology from YouTube. Please Absolutely. stop comparing yourself to other Christians. I don't care if their background looks the same as you. I don't I don't care what they're what they what they look like, what they're doing. I care that you're comparing yourself to scripture. Yes. And I think I just made that mistake the first year of my walk and then the devil will tempt me with that lie, but you'll never but this person will never want to invite you onto their show. Why haven't they talked to you yet? Why are they on their show and you're not? It's like who cares? I don't yeah. want to compare myself to other Christians. I want to compare myself to Jesus. Yes. And so I just like want to pray that um, word of encouragement out for everyone watching. Compare yourself to Jesus. Do not compare yourself to people on the internet. 
Do not compare yourself to YouTubers or to or don't compare your theology to what their gospel is. Compare it to what the gospel is. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can't fear God and man at the same time. Right. There's not enough room to fear both. And you look at like David and Goliath, this famous story everyone preaches and talks about. And it's kind of, you know, it feels like a cliche, but I always would wonder like, why didn't David fear Goliath? Any one of us would be afraid. But then I realized the reason why he couldn't fear Goliath because he already feared God. So you either fear God or you fear Goliath. And there's a lot of Goliaths in our day. There's a lot of things that we can be afraid of or whether it's getting a new job or getting in a relationship or starting a ministry or people watching this like I'm afraid to do this don't be afraid God has not that fear God didn't give you God has not given you and notice the Bible calls it a spirit which is like there's no spirit of fear okay you don't believe the Bible sorry God has not given you a spirit of fear which is timidity but of power, love, and a sound mind. So God gives the the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind, but doesn't give the spirit of fear. Who gave me that spirit, Angela? If I'm afraid, if I'm worried about what people are going to think, where did this spirit come from? Okay, so God didn't give it to me. The devil must have gave it to me. It must be a demonic spirit. I need to get delivered from that. And the spirit of fear is major. There's a lot yeah. of people afraid. I get I get stuck in the same trap. And then I'm like, I have to think like, I don't even, I look at people like, oh, they're never going to. And then I'm like, I don't even know if I, I don't think I even want to be their friend. You know, if anything, God will use me to reach them. But you're going to have people you think that about. They're going to reach out and say, I love your stuff. I've been watching all your content and your stuff helped me get over this. And just like you, I thought, I literally thought this girl probably hates me. She'll never come on my podcast because of what I'm preaching. But in reality, the reason you reached out to me was because of what I was preaching because I was doing deliverance. So you're going to see that over and over again. I've come to find every time I'm doing like a big event and there's like 30 pastors there and I meet them all. I'm always like, they probably hate me. They probably think I'm crazy because I'm loud and I'm sweating and I'm take deep (laughs) breaths. I always think that. 99% of the time, they're like, man, brother, that was amazing. I love your content. I've been watching your stuff. So it's just a lie of the devil to accuse and to give you that voice. They don't like you. They don't care about you. But you know what? God's going to get you your own circle, your own community, your own group. Um, Thankfully, there's a huge group of us that are on fire, serving God, supporting each other, no striving, no competition, no jealousy. I know in a few weeks, you'll be back on my podcast with Taylor and Everett. We're going to be exposing more of the new age. So there's more stuff to come, exciting things happening. And I don't know. I had one guy who... Um, he probably will watch this, but he would criticize me in videos and kind of make, he wasn't heresy hunting, but he would just be very critical of me. And he made a bunch of videos about me. And then he sent me this, this, uh, video through a mutual friend and was like, Hey bro, I just want to apologize. Like all the stuff I've said about you. And like, I know you're doing the work and I don't want to be hanging out with like brains on like on sticks, basically saying like all the guys that hang out with are big brain, but they don't do anything. And he's like, I want to be around guys that are doing stuff. Yeah, and that's, that's my true. prayer is like, man, I want to do it. I want to be around that's people true. that are going after it. Even if some of, like I said, these new young up and coming guys are like very radical. And some of the stuff I'm like, oh man, it, it convicts me. Cause I'm not bold like that. You know, I want to be yeah, bold, but I just told the Lord, like, you know what, Lord, even though maybe I have more better, I have better theology or more intellectual. I know more like, I don't want to discredit them or write them off. Like I want that boldness and there's something they have that I want. And so I hope people could take away from listening to this. Maybe you don't like our style or my style or Angela's style, or maybe you don't like what we're talking about or maybe, but at least be like, okay, they're passionate about Jesus. They love the Lord. They're preaching the blood. They're preaching against sin. They're preaching repentance. Every sermon I preach, I preach repentance. They're doing what Jesus did. And like, they're working out their salvation with fear and trembling and 
like they're part of the body just because they're not the hand like I am, or maybe they're the foot, maybe they're the eye. Like the eye doesn't say to the hand or the hand doesn't say to the eye, I don't need you. Like we all need each other. We're all apart. And I even, Angela, I even try to look at some of the people that criticize me and go like, okay, Lord, what part of the body are they? Uh, Like I'm trying to find an area where it's like, okay, maybe they're not doing it the way I'm doing it, but they're not always, they're not wrong about everything. And so I think we need to have grace and extend that grace to people and love. Like God will open their eyes. God's going to open their eyes and God will open our eyes to stuff that a year from now we'll be like, oh man, we used to teach that or believe that. And Mm -hmm. God opened our eyes, you know? Yeah. Love that. Amen. Well, we could talk forever. Yeah. We're like what? Two hours? Yeah. Two hours in. Um, so as we close out, will you just say a prayer over the audience? Absolutely. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, over every single person watching that you would just touch them. I pray Lord that you would fill them with the Holy spirit. As your word says, if you ask, you shall receive. So we pray right now over every listener, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Father, fill them with power, with your fire, with your anointing. I pray, God, that you'd give them dreams, you'd give them visions, you'd give them insight of what you want them to do. I pray that they would go out and do what you've called them to do according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. They would be ambassadors for you. Father, tonight we turn from our sin, we turn from our wickedness. If there's anybody watching that's not a believer, this is your moment to turn from your sin to acknowledge the finished work of the cross. A real man died a literal death was buried and rose for you. And all you have to do tonight is put your faith in him. Turn from your wicked ways. In Acts 2.38, they said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, you must repent. So right now, repent of your sin and pray this prayer. God will give you everything. Don't invite him. Oh Lord, come in my heart. And I want to add you on. He's not an add on. He's not like a fry to your meal. He is everything tonight. Say, Lord, I'll give you everything. I'll surrender my life and follow you. And I'm telling you, he will change your life. Jesus, we turn to you. Father, we give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. It is not about us. It is all about you. I pray that we would be pointing people to you. I pray as they would follow us, they would follow Christ. As Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But at the end of the day, Lord, let you be glorified. I pray you to remove all deception, all confusion. Every unclean spirit would leave now in Jesus' name. Satan, you have no power. You've lost this battle. We command you to go now in Jesus' name. I pray according to Psalms 103, he heals all sickness and all disease. I just pray your body would be healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Be healed now in Jesus' name. We command your body to come in alignment with the word of God. By his stripes, we are healed. Deliverance, healing, wholeness, salvation. I pray, Father, release it during this broadcast as they watch this. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was this fun. Was awesome. We're gonna have to do it again. Yes. Yeah, Come fun. back to Tennessee. Awesome. Okay. Yay.